Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Nashi Cast. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we're here to once again take you through, in detail, obsessive detail, yet another Paul Nashi film. Tonight, we dive headlong into one that we've kind of been putting off because, well, we both have... A lot of love for this film, I think. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. I have love for it for various reasons. I know you mm-hmm. you actually saw this growing up on television. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the that was one of the early ones too that I that I saw. And uh, and let's you know let's face it, it's actually really. I mean, if 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 Nashi can be said to have a famous film, this is probably it. I mean, I would say this is probably his most famous as in terms of as internationally. In terms of known. success, as 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 oh, far as financial yeah. success, as far as being a, 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 as my understanding anyway, is that this film is is kind of credited with kicking off a, a whole boom of of horror for the Spanish film industry in the in in 1970. That seems to be about right from what I've been able to read and what I've been able to ascertain because it mm-hmm. it was it was a big hit and coming in 1971 and I'm mm-hmm. guessing probably rolling out onto television. Even you know, becoming even an even bigger hit, at least in America, when it rolled out on the television in the mid seventies, mid I guess mid to late seventies. And as most, yeah, that would be about right. And as most people know it, uh, of course, by the title of Werewolf versus the Vampire Women, right? Uh, those in the know, uh, and what we will call it, <laughs> we call it uh, Werewolf, Werewolf Shadow. Shadow. Um, of course, I always wanted to call it Werewolves. Yeah, Shadow. it's an it's an odd apostrophe. It's, a, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's an odd title. It's sort of like just dropping two know. words into a can and kind of shaking around and seeing where they fall. But, you know, but <laughs> it's, hey, it's, it's the <laughs> random horror title generator. Uh, Blood death, you know. <laughs> Blood like, death. Well, it's like we used to joke about the the film Blood Beast Horror. It's just like yeah, it's three just like random three. words tossed into a blender. And, oh, that's a horror title right Throw there. A dart, maybe. Hit a word, you know. So yeah. Uh, but no, we'll be calling it Werewolf Shadow. Paul Nashi's uh, 1971 film, yet another. Waldemar Daninsky film, mm-hmm. Yeehaw. Depending on what you want to believe, or depend, this is his either his third or fourth Waldemar Daninsky film. He started, of course, with uh, Frankenstein's Bloody Terror or, or Mark of the Wolfman, which we started our whole series of shows with. Followed up with Assignment Terror, and then possibly, maybe, made a third one called Night of the Werewolf, I believe. Uh, it's not been proven yet whether that film actually exists. Well, I mean, I, there's a lot of evidence that it, it, that it was that it was made, or at least partially made, but it was mm. never finished. Right. You never, we're never going to see it one yeah. way or the other. So. And then his so whether you want to think of it as his third or fourth one, it's interesting. He did make a, two Waldemar Daninsky films in this same year. Uh, this one we're going to talk about, Werewolf Shadow. He also made one called Fury of the Wolfman, yeah. which doesn't have near as good a reputation. Um, For but some people reasons. really enjoy it, and and I've never seen it. Now, have you seen really? it? Because I have never actually gotten to see Fury. Of oh the Wolfman. my goodness! I, um, as far as I know, there's not any actual good copies or uncut I copies have, of it. Or, or I have anything. as good a copy as it is possible to have. I will tell you this: yeah. uh, years ago, back on the the opening days of the DVD boom, I picked up the Alpha Video DVD of Fury right, of the I Wolfman. It had, I knew it had come out on Alpha. Alpha. Um, and of course, Alpha Video, all the quality you can cram into nothing. <laughs> but usually, only have to pay about three bucks for four bucks. Yeah, more. I mean, so that's that, the that's, upside. That's their upside. So, yeah. But uh, I watched it on that. Mm. Was completely unimpressed, but knew and got rid of the DVD because it was a crappy DVD, and I yeah. did not. I did not let that be. My, I, I didn't judge the film by sure. that DVD because it was muddy and dark, and I couldn't tell what the hell was happening a lot of the time. So. I have now a much better looking print of the film. I haven't watched it. I've just I've watched the first few minutes to make sure that wow, yeah, I can mm. see what the hell is going on, and that's great. But I I will say this: I've seen it, was unimpressed, but can't blame the film, right? Yeah. Because there were scenes where I couldn't even tell what the hell was happening. Yeah. So, 
I guess uh, in the new year we'll we'll get into Fury of the Wolfman. Oh yeah, make make make, make me watch it. Okay, I've always good. been wanting to, to watch it and, and see it. It's just one I never got around to and never picked up uh, any of the bootlegs. And uh, I definitely would look forward to seeing that. Um, in a way, it'll almost be like I'm seeing it for the first time because, sure. like I say, I I've seen it but not really well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be the same way when we get around to Assignment Terror, too. I'm looking forward to watching these better versions because the oh, versions me too. I saw were so crappy so yeah. many years ago. But uh, this why, of course, watching Werewolf Shadow is such a pleasure because both the DVD releases, the Anchor Bay and the BCI release, just look so friggin' good. It's amazing. I mm-hmm. watch them, and it's, it's, I have to remind myself that this film came before these other Daninsky films, Voldemort Daninsky films, that it came before Night of the Howling Beast and Dr. Jekyll vs. the Werewolf because it just looks so good, you know, that yeah. the print is in such great shape, which is wonderful. Well, and I will say this. Uh, I'm This this is the film, if I had never seen any other Leon Klamowski-directed films, this mm-hmm. film would have turned me into a fan of his yeah. style yeah. because he, he so often goes out of his way to move the camera to to bring the camera in for nice close-ups, his his decision to move the camera around certain scenes to to have to to do the little touches that it that it takes to add to something, mm-hmm. I'm 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 really pleased with his style and it really shows up a lot in this film. Having watched the film a couple of times right. in the past couple of weeks, right. I can tell you that you get you get into those details and you start realizing, wow, you know, yeah. he didn't have to frame it that way. He brought the camera around. Yeah, I know. Nice okay, that's things. nice. And, and actually gives him credit for that too. That is one thing he now, gives Kamaski a lot of credit for. Is he really appreciated his use of the camera and what he did with that. So. He knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that. All right. Well, ready to jump in? I'm ready to jump in. Are there any other alternate titles we want to go over? No, you're right. You're right, right. Alternate titles. Uh, there are no other alternate titles that I can... Well, no, there is. There is. The original title actually was uh, Walpurgis Night or right. La Noche del Well... <laughs> La Noche de Walpurgis. Right. Which is me mangling Spanish again, <laughs> but uh, is uh, basically while Purge's Night, which is a big plot point, of course. I wonder where Werewolf Shadow really came from as kind of the default title for it. That's a good question because I kind of think in Europe it may still be the name of Walt Purge's Night may be the more commonly what it's still most commonly known over there. I don't know if that's the case. Or I not, see it. Ref- I see it referenced by that title more than Werewolf Shadow. Yeah, after yeah, that. okay. Yeah, I certainly had never heard that title before until it popped up on the Anchor Bay DVD like that. I'd never seen it referred to under that title anywhere else. So yeah, yeah. everything I had read up to then called it uh, Werewolf versus the Vampire mm-hmm. Woman. So. Yeah. All right, we begin this film in a wonderful, wonderful way. I love it. We begin it with our hero dead. Yeah. Well, <laughs> our hero or the wolf man, whatever you our want to call it. Our anti-hero, whatever you call it. It's a full moon night, and we have two men drive up to uh, morgue to do an autopsy. They're not really complaining about it, but they do realize, they are talking about it. I love the fact that they're talking about, hey, i got to do it in the middle of the night because they want us to do it in the middle of the night. <clears throat> Under a full moon, they make sure we know it's a full moon. Mm-hmm. They discuss the murderers or the, the murders that have been going on. And how horrible they were. They they talk about the uh, ignorance and superstition. The uh, mm-hmm. locals think these murders were done by a wolf man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> totally ridiculous. They, yeah, in fact, they say we've got the wolf man himself on this slab in here. Oh, yep. oh, oh. That's who we're going to do this autopsy on. We've got to do it. He was the murderer, and now they've mm-hmm. plugged him in time to do it. I, re- I really, I really like this. Be- I-, I like this opening. It is, it is, and these guys are a lot of fun. And I got to point out, I don't know if you picked up on it, but you know, once again, the film we can never escape, uh, which I wouldn't want to. is a wonderful film, but Horror Express yet again shines. Its, oh, okay, you know, yeah. because both these guys, and in fact, another character in the film. There is a grand total of three actors in this film that were also in the Spanish classic Horror Express. We and cannot I, escape that. Yeah, film. I know. So we're just at some point we're just going to. But, but, but both of these guys were in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they're who? Dr. Hartwig and uh, Mueller are their names. There, yeah, Duncan. yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they talk about the fact that you know, the, this horrible string of murders started after this fella came to mm-hmm. Altice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Mueller is played by Barta Berry, who was the innkeeper in Dr. Jekyll versus, uh, meets the werewolf. Dr. Jekyll and the werewolf. He was the oh, innkeeper okay. in that. Yeah. Oh, you're right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they talk about how the fact that all the murders happened on Nights of the Full Moon. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's a full moon now doesn't seem to clue either of them in. And the fact that there's a big, big glaring pentagram on the... On the well, it's, it's, a, it's a five-sided mark. Now, yeah. I've, I've, I've not wanted to get into the pentacle versus pentagram thing, but, mm. I mean, it is a five... It's, it's, it's mm. you know, a five-sided scar. Well, let's get to it. Of course, they get inside, and the murderer mm-hmm. that they're going to do the autopsy on is, of course, Paul Nashie, yep. a.k.a. Alda Martininsky. Mm-hmm. So... We see him there, and he's laid out, and somebody has plugged him in the five the, the five sided scar yeah. twice, <laughs> plugged him right there, and they're talking about the fact that he was shot mm-hmm. with silver bullets because of the ignorance and superstition of the locals. Mm-hmm. This does beg the question: Okay, what is this film a direct following? What right. what film what does, what film does this directly follow? Right. And as best I can ascertain, it is Fury of the Wolfman. This one comes directly after Fury of the Wolfman in whatever weird. Psycho chronology. <laughs> you want to put these movies in, right? <laughs> so, I don't really remember. I have no real memory of how, how that one ends. How right. that one ends. So, um, we do know that most of the women that Voldemort Janinsky fall in love with turn out to be friggin' Annie Oakley when it comes to guns. They do not miss. <laughs> they do not miss. They can be tried. So, so you can see one of these women basically hitting that pentagram. Dead <laughs> you know, on, dead on, dead accuracy. Yeah, yeah. and I, did, I didn't know. I didn't notice any powder burns around the wound, so they're probably like two miles off and. <laughs> Firing a twenty-two, <laughs> somebody shoved a shoved a silver fork into it. <laughs> love you, still. baby. Hold still. Bam. Oh, yeah, don't move. You, yeah. Don't twitch. <laughs> so yeah, okay. So he's sitting there, nice makeup. He's sitting there or laying there on the slab, mm. and the uh, the actual uh, Doctor mm. Mueller, who's going to uh, yeah, Doctor Hartwig. Oh, Doctor Hartwig, who's going to who's going to do the uh, Mueller's the assistant, the one who's actually going to do the uh, the cutting. Mm. Is is talking about it, you know, how he's he's kind of sneering about it and making light of it, and he says, yeah. "Here, I tell you what, I'll pluck out the two the two bullets, and we'll see if he comes alive." Of course, we know he's not going to come to life. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so he uh, he takes out the two bullets, mm-hmm. chink chink, and uh, look, you know, hey, he'll stay dead. Yeah. Lights up a cigarette in self satisfaction. Yeah, actually, they aren't they drinking a glass of wine? I think they got wine, cigarettes, and everything. I know in there it's like they came to party and carve up a corpse. <laughs> I kept expecting the you know the prostitutes to come in any minute there. <laughs> but first, the horns. All right, so what we have next is of course faster than you can say. Cut away to so, to show you that the moon is still here. Yeah, yeah. We have a super fast resurrection and transformation all mm. in one. Mm, moment much faster than it happens later in the film <laughs> true there's no ch- i guess they didn't really want to you know you know yeah. show show him drooling at that yeah. <laughs> uh, he uh we of course have Daninsky pop up mm. fur all over oh it's great it does the old it does the classic uh, old old dark house you know werewolf hand lands on the shoulder you know <laughs> yeah. you know it's just great he's sitting there smoking a cigarette and bam this big werewolf paw lands on his shoulder and he does the sort of he does a sort of comic half turn like you know what is that? <laughs> but he quickly slaughters both of them, he rips does. one's throat out, and mm-hmm. then and then yeah. like and then kind of hand slashes or rips out the throat of the other fellow. And once again, El Hombre Lobo is on the scene. He's he on the lo- loose. Yeah, he lopes off into the woods, man. Where they couldn't resist. It. This would have been the perfect moment in a sane film. Yeah. What you'd have had is he he lopes off into the woods. Boom, go to credits. Mm-hmm. No, 
<laughs> he has to stumble across immediately a miniskirted babe in the middle of the woods. One of those European miniskirted babes they always wander alone in the at woods night. at night. At night. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're out there begging to be killed. <laughs> I don't understand it. So he kills her. Uh, go, you know, goes for her throat, and of course, rips her happens, top off. Happens to cut her. Happens to rip her top off in the process. And uh, then the blood bubbles down her naked breasts, and the credits start over some really snappy music. Uh, this is like some of the this is some of the, the <laughs> hippest music uh, we've had yet in a Daninsky oh, film. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna state right up front. Yes, the music <laughs> under the opening credits is at best inappropriate. Oh, vastly inappropriate. And at worst, a what in the hell were you thinking? Moment. <laughs> I, it doesn't fit in no, any way, really shape, doesn't. or form. It really doesn't. It's. Um, it's amusing, but it, it definitely does not give the tone necessary no. to move from triple throat slash no, to yeah. remainder of film. So it's not one of the it's not one of the finest one of the prouder moments in uh, in the soundtracks we've the music we've heard in these shows here. No, no, no. I will say though that for the rest of the film, the music is is quite serviceable it is. and it, it is. and, it it, and moments, at times yeah. pretty good. Yeah. But um, the the inappropriate music over the opening and closing credits yeah. is uh, something to behold. <laughs> I'm sure you'll. Way. I'm sure you'll. Uh, I'm sure you'll treat our listeners to it at the end of the end of the episode. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. You'll get. You you will no doubt get to hear probably the opening or closing theme at the end of this podcast. Beware. <laughs> we after the credits immediately cut to a close up of a postcard of Paris. Mm-hmm. Now, see, this is how we carefully yeah. make sure you know we're in France. Yeah. <laughs> we show you some postcards yeah. as someone. But I like the way Klamowski does this because, yeah, because you're not immediately aware right. that it that it. I mean, you know, you're, you're it takes getting, you a few seconds, right? You know, you're getting the usual travelogue to let you, you know, let know where you're at. But it's very nice the way that he segues for a minute there. You don't realize that you're looking at close of a postcard, and then it becomes then it, then the picture starts swirling, and you realize it's actually a revolving thing of postcards. Yeah, a little, like, rack, you know, a little wire rack, a little wire rack. Nice transition. Yeah. It, it's really it's really well done. It's 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 it, it is pretty nice because you do immediately have that thing of oh, okay the your. Uh, L'Arc de Triomphe. I mean, mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. we're on the Champs Elysees. What? Oh, wait, shit! It's a postcard. All right, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's pretty nice. And uh, pulls back, and we're in a nightclub. I don't know how many nightclubs in France sell postcards, but apparently this one does. <laughs> but we're in a nightclub, and we meet um, Elvira, mm-hmm. the the blonde, lovely Elvira, and her boyfriend Marcel, mm-hmm. who are there talking and. Uh, they're comparing notes. He's about to have to go off on a, on a trip. He's and apparently an inspector of some kind, or he's a co- yeah, he's a he's a French cop of some type. Mm-hmm. Apparently, some kind of inspector. Yeah, and uh, they're comparing notes about what they what's coming up in the next few days as they have to kind of uh, spend some time alone while she does something and he does something different. Mm-hmm. Are you getting along with that essay you're writing? It should be finished by now. I'm still working on it. It's not easy. So much to write. Let's see whether I remember. It's something about black magic. Witchcraft. Professed worship of Satan. And the Inquisition in France. Am I right? Hmm. Fairly close. Lately we've come across a really most fascinating character. Juandesa Darvola Dinadesi. Hungarian countess who lived in the 11th century. Hmm. There's quite a legend about her. A rather horrible one. She practiced all the known procedures of black magic. She took part in the Sabbath and worshipped Satan. The Inquisition tried to condemn her, but strangely enough, all who came in contact with her were eventually murdered. 
She was an extraordinary beauty and had countless numbers of lovers. To preserve her beauty, she practiced an ancient ritual that was handed down through all the mistresses of black magic. She drank the blood of young virgins. After draining their young bodies of all their blood, he disposed of her victims in a unique way. Legend has it that she was a vampire and that her lover, discovering the truth, killed her the only way possible. He stabbed her with the silver cross of the Mayenza chalice. What happened to her corpse? She was buried in a hidden place. Genevieve and I have found an old document that describes exactly the place where the tomb can be found. It's in the north, near some godforsaken village. We leave tomorrow by car. I'm very excited. You know, your enthusiasm is very contagious. I wish I could go along with you. But I must go to Istanbul. Duty calls. Take care of yourself, Marcel. And please, don't take any unnecessary risks. Don't be worried. I've seen so many James Bond pictures. By now I know all the tricks. Now let's concentrate on you and me and no more questions about my trip to Turkey. I want you to think seriously about me. This will be the main subject of all our conversations. Okay? So we learned that she's very interested in, well, not black magic. I love that. Well, and, and in case people are wondering why her voice suddenly took on that echo, it's because uh, we got a little bit of a flashback there oh, yeah. to the, yeah. the, the while she was talking about that, uh, uh, we got the actual look at... Look we got at a look at Vandessa. Vandessa. Which, Vandessa. Uh, another one of those nashy names that he loves to use over and over again, similar to Elvira. Uh, I know, I know, I know the recurrence. One could one could almost write an essay yeah, about on the, the reuse of particular names. names. <laughs> but um, she explains the the whole the whole legend, the satanic worship, the the way she was killed with the the silver cross being driven into her chest and all this kind of stuff. So we have the whole thing laid out. Mm-hmm. Vampirism is tossed out there, so we've got our int- we've got our introduction of uh, our second mm-hmm. supernatural beastie, right. Right? and a, and and I'm sure it's obvious to everybody that Vandessa Vandessa is is basically Elizabeth Batory, uh, you know, is basically yeah, another form another who will pop up time and again in, in Nash's films because she's one of the historical figures that he was obsessed with, you know, is Elizabeth Batory, and, and so in this case, this is basically her under another name. The whole the whole idea of her body lies buried in a secret place. Through her research, mm-hmm. now the the whole idea here is that she's writing this thesis. This is kind of her uh, her final thesis for her her degree. Right. And uh, she and her cohort in crime, Genevieve, Genevieve. who's a, a very very beautiful lady. Let's talk about these act- actresses real yeah, quick for just a do. second. Because playing um, playing Elvira is the actress Gabby Fuchs. Fuchs who did not have a very... Another one of those no. actresses who did not have a very long run and in films. Strange, I mean, I could have sworn that I'd seen her, that she was in another one of Nash's films. She apparently was not. I think it's just because I've seen this one so many times over the years and yeah. many years between that that I just had it in my head that she was in but it, more than one, but it was not. that's not the well, case. Well, I'll say this. There's something about her face, and I've been trying for weeks mm-hmm. to nail it down, mm-hmm. but it, it just keeps tickling at the back of my mind. Her face and her features... Remind me of some. She must remind me of someone else. I think that may be it. I think you might be right that maybe there's another actress in one of these films that in some of the Nashi films or in Spanish films that she might yeah. remind us of. Because you're right. I mean, she did not make many films. No, I mean her. She made a few more. She made roughly. She made two more films after this one mm-hmm. in '72 and '74. Uh, then some TV work in '76 and '81, and then nothing until '88. 
and then a, a, a bit part in a TV movie in 97. I mean, she really just kind of took herself out of the whole thing. She had a bit part in Mark of the Devil mm -hmm. the year before, mm -hmm. but that's that's really it. Mm -hmm. uh, not a very long career. The uh, lady playing Genevieve, who, of the two of them, let's be honest, I think Genevieve is the more attractive. I think she's a very she sensual, is. sexy she woman, which is, she of does. course, why I think she was cast in this particular role. She does great in the role. I mean, she's, and it's a great contrast. The actresses both do a good job with what their characters are very nice compliments to mm -hmm. each other. Well, that, that and, you know, you have, uh, you have Gabby Fuchs as Elvira, very blonde. Right. And you have Barbara Capel as Genevieve, very much a brunette. There's mm -hmm. that, that visual contrast, yeah. which is really, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. But, uh, Elvira is very much a, a very thin woman. Yeah. Almost almost painfully thin, to be mm -hmm. honest. There's mm -hmm. there are times when I, I, I look at her as she's walk, moving around, I'm thinking, My Lord, a, a good stiff <laughs> breeze would break this woman in half. <laughs> and Barbara is a very uh, very much a, a curvy woman, mm -hmm. uh be beautifully well shaped. And they, they really are two very contrasting looking women yeah. in several different ways. Yeah. Very and good yeah, casting. They, and, and they do play off well against each they other in, in their scenes together. They do they do a fine job. But what we have is uh, Elvira and Genevieve, who've been working on uh, this research, have discovered what they think is going to uh, really, really kind of make their careers in a way. Mm. They think they, the, the body of the, the Countess Wandessa, or would it be Countess Darula de Natasi? Would she be the Countess Natasi? De Natasi, Countess, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> At any rate, they think that they have a clue as to where her, uh, her body may have been laid to rest. Right. That's what, that's what she's talking about. They're going to go off and uh, see if they can track this down. She says, we think we've discovered it in the north near a godforsaken village. <laughs> I love that. I love that quote. <laughs> I do too. Great. She's never been there. And she's already referring to it as a godforsaken. <laughs> it's like, maybe she just knows that in Paul Nash's films, there's no other kind. You know? <laughs> but that's all you get. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be northern France. Yeah, maybe, they, that's just a, maybe that's just maybe a just, slap against the French. Maybe, oh, yeah. Go to the north, some damn godforsaken place. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Marcel, who's uh, a cop, has got to run off to, to Istanbul. So she and Genevieve are going to go and take off and try to find this, this tomb and, right. and see what they can locate. We cut to a few days later, and the two of them are driving along out into out in the... the uh, tooling, what looks like a very... through the countryside. Tooling through the countryside car. on a very, very much a dirt path, a dirt mm -hmm. road. And they are lost. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the way, this is the first scene where where I really really enjoyed uh, Klamowski's camera movement, where yeah. he starts out in front of the car as the mm -hmm. car comes towards you, and then the camera s tracks back into the side, and then you have the dialogue yeah, scenes. Right. Really, really yeah. nice. Yeah. All and love, very and fluid. I, and I love Genevieve's Rudy cap there, Rudy hat she's wearing there. You know, if anybody's <laughs> watched Fat Albert knows what I'm talking about. But if we if we hand out awards for best hats in a in a Nashi film, she wins hands down. Her outfit is terrific. It is. It oh, is 70s God, all man. the way, and it is beautiful. You're right, thing. you're right. <laughs> Miss, Miss Capel looks quite good in that, too. It's true. <laughs> um, but uh, what I love is that really quickly we get a sense of Genevieve being uh, a joker. She, yeah, she's she cracking is. Count she Dracula is. jokes and, mm -hmm. and, and, mm -hmm. and talking about... Uh, she's really... She's having she's having yeah. a good time. And Elvira's a little bit more. Yeah, and Elvira's a little bit more the uptight, you know, the, yep. this easily stressed one there. So she's, she's not real happy about being lost and... Well, they, they come to a building, they realize they're lost, they come to a building, and Elvira goes, okay, let me let me go up here and knock and see if anybody's home, see if we can find some directions. The place is deserted and rather run down when she gets a look mm -hmm. inside. And then she gets scared by this great big fake spider, <laughs> which hey, drops straight down on the I love the, the way it just, I love, 
<laughs> I love the way it just <laughs> it's the least natural. Yeah. Oh no, it did. Well, I, I give them I give them credit. They did not throw a cat at her. You know, <laughs> there is no. We cat did not get the thrown film. cat scare, but correct. the little floating plastic spider on down into her hand <laughs> was a little bit off putting. But uh, yeah, I'll agree with you on that. But she reacts with fright, and she re- reacts with fright, and then there's this bizarre. Doll kind of hanging yeah, from the no, rafters. That's a, that yeah. was just creepy. That, that's creepier than the spider. That's, that's creepier than the spider because little... the spider's just making you go, "Oh, come on, give me a break." <laughs> no, but then but the creepy twist. doll thing. They don't spend a lot of time with the creepy no. doll, but the creepy doll was creepy. Yeah. Yes, I, it was, let's just it was. let's just say that. Mm-hmm. She turns around from the creepy doll and boom. Well, it's great too. She, we reintroduce Waldemar Daninsky exactly as how he was introduced in the prologue with a hand on the shoulder. I thought that was exactly. a nice visual reference yes. back to the person. Except this time, of course, it's his human hand, and she turns around instead of seeing the werewolf, she sees the dashing, the dashing, handsome, dashing, studly Waldemar Daninsky. Yeah, and her mood immediately changes. This yeah, plastic yes. spider is forgotten. Yeah, well, we'll and just, she's in love. We will uh, trust me. We will discuss. <laughs> Elvira's mood swings and tonal shifts as the film progresses. These, these are the days before Prozac. Yeah. Oh my lord! Anyway, well, we'll talk about that later. So she's confronted by the handsome young Nashi, mm-hmm. and uh, he introduces himself, and the two of them walk out of the deserted place and uh, walk over to Genevieve, and he introduces himself to both of them. I well, Genevieve, I found someone. <laughs> Genevieve Bennett, Mr. Waldemar Daninsky. Hello. Hello. You're lucky to have found me. I'm the only one who lives around here. I just happen to be in this area exploring these ruins. My house is over there, a couple kilometers away. And what about the village of Les Chars? Is it far from here? The village is rather far. Quite far, in fact. Please, could you put us up for the night? Tomorrow we'll try and reach the village, one way or the other. I suppose we can then try and find some gasoline, hmm? No, I think we should try to reach the village tonight. Have you got a car? I'm sorry. There really isn't anything. Not even a bicycle at my house. Nothing at all. Listen, I have a solution. Accept my hospitality for a few days. Pierre, my handyman, he has a small car and can take you to the village. There you can get some gasoline and be on your way. Have you got a telephone? Sorry, no telephone and no electricity. You might think it's a bit primitive living in this area. But I find the conditions ideally suitable for my work. I'm a writer. I've been living here for six months. Sometimes I miss the company of friends. And by now, I'm a bit thirsty for some intelligent conversation. So I welcome the opportunity of having guests. Thank you, Mr. Daninsky. You have your guests until Sunday, and you won't complain for lack of conversation. (laughs) Very well. So we drive up to... um... Waldemar's house mm-hmm. out in the country. A nice house. Great yeah, big uh, white yeah. mm-hmm. kind of semi-palatial place. It looks a little familiar to me. Yeah, I thought that too. See, it, it looks to me like the house in uh, Vengeance of the Mummy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't know if that, I don't know if that's where... I mean, did it look familiar to you? See, it definitely looked familiar to me. And uh, you may have been, but I could never pinpoint it to what... It, you might be right. It might be Vengeance of the Mummy. Because believe me, I thought oh, the no. same thing. As soon as I saw it, I thought... Seen that house before, but I could, none of the films in particular was coming to mind. I couldn't remember. So it, it does kind of remind me of mm-hmm. the house in um, Mummy's Revenge, Vengeance of the Mummy, whichever mm-hmm. title you want to give it. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that here we see it in daylight, mm-hmm. but in Vengeance of the Mummy, we only ever saw it at night. That's true. That's a good point. But I'm yeah. telling you, I, I'm thinking it's the same place. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but it's it's very similar. Anyway, yeah. they get there, unpack, and over dinner. They have a little exchange of information. Uh, mm-hmm. Waldemar, 
explains to them that he is a writer. He's working on a book about uh, monasteries in uh, the north of France, mm. which is why he's there researching them. They, the two girls tell him about their subject, the, the thesis they're working on, and uh, the whole thing about Wandessa and her death, and that they're looking for her tomb, and that it might be somewhere nearby. And Nashi hears this and then just kind of gets that bizarre, faraway look and seems to slip into a fugue state. It I mean, he a, just sits there a, staring into the distance. It's one of their stranger moments. It's one of the stranger moments in a film that's full of them. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it is. Just his whole reaction and just trance out to the point that the women finally just kind of, okay, I guess we're going to bed. Since yeah, I guess we're going catatonic to, on us. Yeah. yeah, he is almost catatonic. At I mean, the mention of Vandessa's name. Vandessa's name. Right, right. And it's a truly bizarre mm. reaction to what's going on. But the the two girls going off to bed. Now, uh, Elvira doesn't seem to trust him much. Um, mm. Here he is leave, living alone, but she seems to, to have noticed some feminine touches around the house that mm. just don't seem to jibe with a man living by himself. And Genevieve's going, no, 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 come on, look at what he served us. Cold cuts, okay. this is not, you know, yeah. this guy's not cooking. This is a guy who's living on his own. This is a bachelor. This is what yeah. a bachelor would feed somebody on the spur of the moment. Mm-hmm. So she's she's not at all concerned I've stop making up stories. Um, he's, <laughs> he's just down in sleeping pills too. While she's saying this, I know she's he's just a lonely. He's just yeah. a lonely, nice guy, and, and then downs a sleeping pill. Hey, you know, mm-hmm. in the days before roofies, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. A self-medicating woman can be your best friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they they bed down for mm. the evening. They're in the, they're in a room. Each of them has their own bed. As Elvira is drifting off. Someone, she's a little worried because they can't lock the door to the bedroom. At first, mm-hmm. she's a little worried about right, that, and right. Genevieve's like, "Oh, give me a break." And of course, Genevieve goes out like a light because she's taking the sleeping pills. So Elvira's kind of just so basically laying there, sort of by herself, obviously, <laughs> kind of staring know. at the walls, trying right, to trying, trying to go to sleep. sleep. Yeah. When a woman that neither one of them have seen yet enters the room, creeps up to the bed, and says, "Go away, please leave," and mentions the word werewolf. Mm-hmm. And then puts her hands around Elvira's neck and starts to try to choke her. Starts to choke her. But oh, then, after after she kind of pulls her gown down like she's going to... Yeah, first she tries to strangle her, then she yeah, pulls her gown down and kind and she's, of fondles her breast for a second. And, yeah, and then, and then she's laughing maniacally the whole time. Yeah. And Elvira kind of fades in. I guess she faints. Or it's almost as if there's some kind of faint implied because it goes all, it goes all looking, blurry. The camera is on her point of view looking at this strange woman's face. Right. Then it goes all blurry. And when it fades back into sharpness, Mm -hmm. it's not this crazy woman. It's Waldemar Mm -hmm. sitting there apologizing and making sure she's okay. And this is when he explains, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I'll explain completely tomorrow. That woman is my sister. She's mentally disturbed. Yeah, we kind of got that. (laughs) You don't say. Yeah, really? Now, here's my here's my first moment in the film when I become a little confused as to just how this looked on paper versus how this looks on film. Yeah. Because he's explaining this to Now, think about it for a second. Crazy woman comes in, starts babbling nonsense, laughing like a maniac, and tries to choke me. Mm-hmm. I kind of fuzz out, fuzz back in. Crazy woman's gone. Mm-hmm. Man is explaining, I'm sorry, that's my mentally disturbed sister. Yeah. My reaction is going to be, well, lock that bitch up now. <laughs> yeah. My reaction is not going to be what we get from Elvira, yeah, like... which is this bizarre 180-degree attitude change yeah, yeah. from terrified woman to, 
erotically charged chick yeah. all thrilled with this story that he's rattling I off. I know. Yeah, yeah. her line, yeah, she sucks. Oh, don't worry about it. I was, I was, it's just that I'm, I'm tired, you know. It's just like, yeah, otherwise I wouldn't have minded that your sister came in and tried to strangle me, then felt me up. Then, you know. I know, I know. It's, does this happen to you often, Elvira? Is this a, is this a yeah. standard for French college chicks? Is yeah. this what we're talking yeah. Well, yeah, but, but she does make the little line about how it's okay now that you're here, which so yeah. it's like, oh, Look out, folks! She's she's falling. You know, oh, didn't know. see that coming. Yeah. She's, she's, she she yeah. very quickly does get that that yeah. look of that look of uh, loving the Nashi real mm-hmm. quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is not the last we've seen of Elizabeth, the uh, the sister with issues. She's a <laughs> that's right. Her name is Elizabeth. So the next day, surely enough, mm-hmm. we have uh, Jen on her own out exploring the uh, the grounds around the house, mm-hmm. some of the deserted outbuildings. And uh, sure enough, Waldemar explains the sister situation. Mm -hmm. Apparently, years before, there was some kind of accident that killed both their parents. Mm -hmm. She became disturbed. Mm -hmm. I love the use of that word. But he claims she's not dangerous. Now, that's the first moment where you go. That's the first moment where you go, really? (laughs) Hands around the throat? Go away? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, He didn't want to lock her up. So he brought her to this place so that he can, this, this kind of lonely, out-of-the-way mm. place, so that he can take care of her. And he says, oh, she kind of takes care of me and keeps the house while I, while I do what I'm doing. Mostly she hides in her room, stays there, and you'll have, to, you'll have to forgive some of the stuff she may have said to you because she, dreams, she just dreams up all kinds of crazy stuff. Right. Or, or, or as I love to say it, the, don't believe any of that <laughs> crap about being a werewolf. That's just BS. That's what I was thinking, too. She didn't no, no, mention... She didn't, she didn't say wolf or anything like that, did she? Yeah. <laughs> She's such a kidder. She's yeah. a kidder. That's not... No, ignore any of that. Yeah. So while he's giving the big bad explanation, Genevieve finds out in one of the outbuildings manacles and chains hanging from the roof blood of this, soaked this walls, place. Yeah. yeah, blood all over one of the walls. Some of it dried, some of it rather recent. And uh, gets a little concerned. I wonder what yeah. the hell this is all about. We have the second appearance of Elizabeth, <laughs> where yeah. when she's when 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 Genevieve's checking out the. Uh, the manacles and chains, Elizabeth shows up and attacks Genevieve this time. Yeah, yeah. Rips off her shirt yeah, yeah, and starts to choke her. Like the, you know, yeah, out of yeah. control crazy woman yeah. that she seemed to be, right? Genevieve screams, and this brings Waldemar and uh, Elvira scr- mm-hmm. uh, running. Mm-hmm. By the time they get there, Elizabeth has vamoosed, mm-hmm. and Genevieve is passed out on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, Waldemar knows I'm going to have to... I'm gonna have to step have this a up little here. Sibling yeah. talk here, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's right at that. It cuts to the scene where he's basically telling, talking to Elizabeth, yeah, right, yeah. and basically saying, "Look, you're stop you're, trying to scare them." <laughs> I love that. Stop trying to scare, scare them. Scare them. <laughs> let, me, let me do this. Stop succeeding in scaring them. <laughs> he says they are my only chance, or they're my last chance. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, you know, she basically says that she, the reason she was doing this is she's she she found the she found the chains she 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 knows she knows and he's like she doesn't know anything right what are you talking yeah. about Stop yeah, being especially an idiot. since they buy apparently the story he gives them which is a is a doozy uh, I know that I love and that we'll hear because, that here in a moment yeah. well I do love that because he gives a good story he does yeah you have to admit uh, it's yeah yeah it's 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 plausible all right so yeah so uh, we cut to Elvira and Genevieve. Talking again, actually, uh, Elvira is uh, um, doctoring, I guess, Genevieve's wounds from the fight she had yeah. with Elizabeth, and we find that their stance, their take on what's going on here is completely reversed, uh, as we'll hear. We should leave. It's a matter of common sense. 
Personally, I don't mind walking for for a hundred miles. Or a thousand miles. Look, he explained all about his sister. Oh, don't you realize she almost killed me? I don't trust her sweet little brother anymore. God knows what they're both up to. Genevieve, listen to me. There are circumstances you, you don't understand. Genevieve, he needs help. He's so terribly unhappy, and his sister is sick. Something terrible happened to her. Waldemar is trying to help her. And what did he tell you about those chains and the bloodstain? There's plenty of game here, deer and wild pigs. The former owner used to skin the animals in that shack. Well, I don't know. I'm warning you. Believe me, if that mad woman appears again, I'll leave so fast you won't see the dust from my shoes. Elvira, be careful. Don't let your soft heart get you into a situation you might regret. Come on, let's go on downstairs. We'll take our papers and documents with us. He seems very interested in helping us. Too interested, I think. And sure enough, Waldemar is more than willing to help them with the maps trying to locate this tomb. Hopefully he won't go into another fugue state when they, when they bring yeah. the subject up. <laughs> They're looking for a pl uh, There's a place called Devil's Crossing. It's a crossroads. Uh, it's near the chapel at St. Anne's. Uh, he knows where this is. It's not that far away, but it's not something you can drive to, so you're going to have to walk. By comparing notes, they realize that the tomb where the countess is supposed to be may be very near that chapel, and they set out with shovels in hand. Mm -hmm. They're ready to go. They tromp up into the hills. And on the way, they talk about why some people were buried at crossroads and at different places, kind of unconsecrated places, because it would be suicides or excommunicated people or witches mm -hmm. uh, would be buried at a crossroads like this with the idea that it would be, it would keep them in place. Mm -hmm. This would be, stop them from coming back. And uh, of course, faster than, faster and quicker mm -hmm. than they probably should ever be, yeah. they do locate something, a great big slab that looks mm -hmm. to be a... A, uh, a grave of some sort right. mm -hmm. at this devil's crossroad. Mm -hmm. They scrape off the uh, detritus, the uh, the limbs and the dirt and the crap on top of it, and carved right into the top of it is, by God, the information they need. <laughs> right there. I'll be, and it's got her name and everything. Mm -hmm. And when she lived and when she croaked. Like somebody was wondering, why did it take you so long to find it? <laughs> it's been here hundreds of years. So uh, it's it, it's very conveniently marked. I love yes, the... It is. the Wandessa, you know, 1452 to 1480. Mm -hmm. Here you go. Satan's favorite mistress. She found the death she deserved. You know, if Satan's going to express a preference, yeah. <laughs> you have done some hard yeah, work about to, to say, it. man. Because so, <laughs> <laughs> you, you got to think, he's got a lot. A lot he's got, of he's got all he wants, right? And, and she's top of the top of the chain there. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So the, the three of them uh, shift the, uh, the big slab. Mm-hmm. And uh, down inside, there definitely is a coffin. Mm -hmm. With a dead animal of some kind laying on it. Well, now we'll get to the dead animal in a minute because that's another, <laughs> that's that's another, another uh, what the hell yeah, moment what right the, there. But yeah. <laughs> the, 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 they look down in, and at this, this is the point at which Elvira goes, okay, we found it. Let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah, let, let, let's, let's get out of here. Yeah. And uh, Genevieve's got a camera going, no, 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 no. We mm -hmm. need to crack this thing open. I want some pictures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Valdemar seems pretty much of the same, the same mind. Hey, let's, He's all about, let's, let's, let's open it up. Open it yeah. up. So Elvira's like, eh, you know what? I'm gonna go down. I'll uh, I'll be at the chapel, the the Saint Anne's Chapel here. You uh, y'all, when y'all are done, you can come find me there because I don't want to be anywhere near this crap. Yeah, yeah. So she skates off, and they crack open the coffin, and uh, inside is a corpse. Strangely enough, it is some kind of fox corpse. Yeah, I couldn't tell what the animal was, and it seems like there's a little clip in the film when 
because he picks it up and slings it away, and and one, and I think Genevieve says, "Look, it's a." And it's like the line gets cut. It's like there's a frame missing or something. Yeah, that so is we never know what it is. But there's this fully there's this dead animal that's within this tomb. <laughs> makes no. Yeah, I know this. This makes no sense to me. <clears throat> How is there a non desiccated yeah. fox within yeah. this tomb that you've just it's unsealed just for the first time <laughs> in hundreds of years? I do not yeah. comprehend this. So that's bizarre. Yeah. But of course, there is a, a moldering, uh, mostly. Dust, the yeah, generated yeah. skeleton. Mm-hmm. Uh, the skull is still obviously uh, in, fairly intact. And it's but, got the got the dagger, the cross, the. the yeah, and, and this is something I very much liked because yeah. the the silver cross is also a knife mm-hmm. is embedded and it's been stuck. It's sticking actually in the um, the bottom of the coffin, mm-hmm. as if you know it was shoved so hard in that it's stuck in that, and so even when the body deteriorated around it, it's it still, still stuck up, right? there. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. And of course, uh, she snaps a few pictures and then <laughs> she, 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 can't, she can't resist. Yeah. Genevieve Just... reaches in and pulls the, pulls the thing out of the coffin. And while doing so, manages to harm her hand in some way. That's accidentally slices her, I guess, cuts, well, cuts her, her arm. With, with cuts her, arm. Yeah, her yeah. arm with the edge of the uh, dagger. Uh, what a shame, because it bleeds right, right on onto the skin. They're out of the skull. The skull of Andessa. Have you never seen a vampire movie? <laughs> this is this is how Christopher Lee keeps coming back and killing people. Well, the funny thing all is, right? yeah, <laughs> it's why the man is still alive. This is why Christopher Lee Stop is bleeding still alive on the man today. And, yeah. If you don't bleed on Christopher Lee, he'd been dead twenty years ago. You keep bleeding on him, he's coming back. Now the funny thing here is though, um, and I wish I'd written this down, but don't they immediately like make some? Doesn't she immediately kind of half realize that she may have screwed, or just realize that part of the, that there was something in the legend well, about? Yeah, not that they really think like, but it seems like the minute she, she realizes that blood is dripped on, she it sort of rings a bell. And she says, she says, you know, she, she relates the the legend of the red breath that will revive the countess if yeah, the cross is removed right. from her chest. Mm. And she's saying this, like, you know, of course it's total crap, but yeah, I'm just right. sitting there going, you just dribbled blood onto <laughs> the skull of this thing after yanking the silver cross out of her desiccated corpse. Could we go one, two, I wonder what three might be, yeah. you know, woman? Jeez. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know, I know. It's just, if this is something that she'd remembered later on, mm. kind of in a worried tone, but no, she's standing right there dribbling blood while they try to wrap the arm up mm. going, you know... <laughs> Huh, red breath. I wonder if that's blood. <laughs> no, <Nah>, really. <laughs> One more weird touch is uh, he starts to shovel dirt onto the grave, even though they've had to shovel absolutely no dirt off of the grave in the first place, which I'm This so is okay. nonsensical to me, too. It is. Yeah. It is. This made no so. sense to me. Of course, you know why hmm. he does this. Instead of moving the slab back, you know, closing the coffins, mm. moving the slab oh, back well, onto yeah, because, because we, we, want, nice we want the rising out of the, the dirt resurrection mm-hmm. scene later on. And that's the only reason we're shoveling the dirt onto it. So that's just <laughs> transparent as hell, let's be honest. So, yeah, you're right. He, another what the hell are you doing moment mm-hmm. is he's shoveling the dirt onto the thing. At this point, Elvira's down at the, uh, down at the chapel of St. Anne waiting. And she sees a a man obviously a monk in a black black robe kind of walk, walking away from her and she speaks to him and says something to him and the guy turns around and it's this kind of zombie like burned face mm-hmm. which immediately tells us the a oh part of the th- part of the legend that got related to us was that right, this... about the monk mm-hmm. who actually did all this stuff with Wandessa mm-hmm. and was condemned with her right and in the flashbacks to Wanda, so we'd actually seen him helping her in, in yeah, in, in her ceremonies. And so she essentially is seeing this guy at 
the exact same time that they have pulled the cross out of the uh, the coffin. Right. He turns around, has this horrendous, burned, desiccated face, and then comes after her, starts running after mm-hmm. her, and she freaks out and runs away from him. Waldemar shows up, sees what's going on, mm-hmm. and attacks the, the black monk, this, this black-robed monk, and stabs him with the cross that he's got in his hands. Right. And the, the sucker collapses, and the body just kind of seems to evaporate into to smoke. Mm-hmm. Which is actually pretty coolly done. It is. This is the moment where we see the kind of slow motion movement that we're going to get, the, the slow motion photography we're going to get any time that the uh, the undead are mm-hmm. on screen, mm-hmm. which adds a, a neat layer of, of creepiness to it. Very interesting. This, of course, has freaked... A zombie monk moving in slow motion. Did that uh, ring a bell there with you, Rod? Uh, make you think of anything? Maybe, oh, maybe not. Maybe it drew no. Maybe there was no... Uh, let me see. Let me... Monk. Undead monk. Slow motion. Attack of the 50-foot woman? There you go. I, I knew was you'd that, make that. I, that knew you'd, I knew you'd make that leap. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Around the same time, we, of course, have the Spanish Blind Dead films. Well, almost the same year. And I'd like yes. to talk about that later on because it's a very fascinating thing, what's okay. going on in Spanish cinema at the same simultaneously here. And yeah, well, the early 70s were yeah. an explosion of joy, I'll yes, say they that. Were. So we have the uh, the Black Monk. This freaks Elvira out something fierce, of course. And her mood has changed now suddenly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, But the neat thing is we go to that night and we get the scene we just discussed, which is the the female hand pushing up out of the dirt and of mm-hmm. course this is a, a hand with a whole lot of flesh on it it looks like we've got Vandessa mm-hmm. resurrected mm-hmm. because somebody dribbled blood on her skull yeah, yeah. i'm not pointing any fingers and i bet but... she's gonna waste no time setting up shop <laughs> <laughs> well of course while that's happening outside the girls are getting ready for bed and having yet another discussion about what's going on tomorrow the handyman is scheduled to be here we can go to the village. We can get our gas, and then we can go out of this place. I wish we were back in civilization. Like in the middle of traffic, with life pulsating around me. I miss dancing and enjoying a nice dinner with Marcel. Marcel? I don't think so. You seem more interested in our friend here. Perhaps. But everything is so strange here, so absurd. I'm beginning to think nothing is real. Maybe this is a nightmare and there are no dead who come back to life. And all the weird things we've seen just don't exist. And Waldemar doesn't exist. Even though he held you in his arms this afternoon. He too will be part of your delusions. Like all the things that are happening since we started on this god-awful trip. If Marcel were here, I'm sure he could probably give us a scientific explanation. Perhaps someone is just trying to frighten us. Elvira, do you believe in God? Yes, of course. Why? Then pray. It's all we can do. Pray with all the faith you have. So, Jean-Vive goes downstairs to get herself a drink of water before she turns in. And she's... I don't know if... Would, would you call it an attack? Not an attack. No. Um, a, su- a seduction. Maybe. That's really, yeah, much more what... Uh, yeah, she, much the more Countess than... appears. Mm-hmm. And I would call it... A, I, I guess I would call it a seduction. I didn't really mm-hmm. think about it in those terms, but that's what it is. She calls to her. She hears, Genevieve hears this voice calling to her. And she turns around, and as she turns around and sees what she sees, I love this. This is, this is all down to the actress. There's this little smile on her face yeah, as she yeah. turns and sees what she sees. The call comes to her, and she turns around, and she sees down this misty, mm-hmm. kind of foggy hallway there in the house. 
she sees the countess. Mm. And the countess is... How would you describe this this clothing she has? Yeah, it's like a morning. It's, it's like it made right. me think of like a yeah interesting idea of a yeah. It's like she's she's dressed in mourning with this big black shroud over her face. Yeah, it it, does, it it looked like some kind of shroud thing. It's this um, thing that she wears upon her head and kind of drapes down and kind of parted in the center mm-hmm. in the center of her face. So that if she as she moves, it kind of peels back a little bit. The, yeah. way, the breeze peels yeah. it back, and you can see her face. Very neat. But she calls to her, and then suddenly, and this is another weird moment in the film. They're not in the misty hallway anymore. Suddenly they're outside. Right. Very strange. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that cut is made in that way. But once they're outside, Genevieve is obviously under her spell. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Countess calls her to her and unwraps the bandage from her cut arm and starts to drink blood from mm-hmm. the wound. Mm-hmm. Now, when this happens, and I love this, this is all yeah. in slow motion. Yeah. Describe the look on Genevieve's face. It, 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 obviously, this this is this this feels pretty good. Whatever's going on there, you know, it's not painful. It's it's not an unpleasant thing by any stretch. This is a woman. She looks to be in mm. rapture. Yeah, she is really thrilled with what's happening to her arm. <laughs> nudge, nudge. Yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> and did that gash on her arm look a little? Suggestive. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, all right. I'm not, I don't know that I'm necessarily. Yeah, I mean, just... I, maybe I'm over reading. Maybe I'm <laughs> reaching on this. I don't know. But that's what it kind of remind. It, it reminded me of certain mm-hmm. things. Let's just mm-hmm. say. Uh, but the, it's a. Re- it really is a look of deep pleasure. Yes. Now this is an interesting little cut. It's a very brief cut. But while this is happening, Elizabeth, the crazy sister, seems to be watching this from the house. Yeah. Watching this happen. Right. Mm-hmm. The women embrace. And then they slow motion stride off into the night. Mm-hmm. We cut to inside the house, and once again, nice moving, roaming camera. Mm-hmm. We come to Valdemar in the house reading this book. Now, in the English language version, the the as the camera tracks around his chair and comes to his face, mm-hmm. there's there's silence. There's just the soundtrack and the music, and then we have the voiceover of what he's reading. In the Spanish cut. The voiceover begins as soon as the scene begins, pretty much, and there's more information. There's more detail about what he's reading yeah, right. during, during the scene. Mm-hmm. So a minor difference there. Would like to point out here, by the way, that the actress playing Genevieve is very obviously speaking English um, mm-hmm. th- throughout yeah, the, throughout the film. Yeah, and I did not pick up on that. Another. Yeah. That's interesting. Not, not true of um, any of the other actors most of the time. I think probably Patty Shepard... Who plays the countess? We should we should we should yeah. we should point out. Uh, I believe the few lines that she speaks are in English as well. But Barbara Capel, who's a German actress, mm-hmm. from everything that we can learn, right. is definitely speaking English. Mm-hmm. She, her lines are being spoken in English because it matches up absolutely perfectly oh, yeah. most of the time. Now, you know, yeah, what you English pointed out, I can think about that. It's like, yeah, it, 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 it did. Valdemar is reading this book, and the book is essentially kind of spells out how his werewolf curse can be lifted. Which involves, of course, once again, it having to be done with silver by someone who loves him. Right. Now, let's take a break here and talk for just a moment about the mm-hmm. fact that we never get any real detail about the fact. Okay, supposedly Elizabeth is his sister. Mm-hmm. Something, something about their parents. Mm-hmm. Without a direct reference to know if this comes from or follows on the heels of Fury of the Wolfman. Mm-hmm. This is the first time Daninsky has a, a relative in these films, isn't it? 
a living that relative we know of that we yes i mean that yeah like you said i can't you know not being able to remember what happens in or not knowing what happens in fury of the wolfman but yeah yeah i believe you're right i believe you're right because he's uh in in most of the other films it's always been he's been he's the last living you know his parents are long yeah. gone but he doesn't have any siblings you know we, we right. saw in dr jekyll and the werewolf he had a sort of a woman who took care of him or An, you know, yeah, the, the older woman who was helping him and in mark of the wolfman he was a he had inherited something he inherited a family a wealth family, or family wealth, estate but, and then, all their but wealth. his family was yeah. long gone there was they're buried in the crypt you know so yeah yeah this is his first time he's very very, very strange and mm. one almost has to question why the character is in the film right but nevertheless while he's sitting there reading the book and we learn the the usual thing that we have to know about how the werewolf curse can be lifted from him Okay, so Elvira comes down the stairs to because Genevieve is not shown back up after going downstairs for a drink of water. Right. And, oh, she sees uh, a body draped across this uh, gate, this iron gate at the bottom of the stairs that she comes down, which is a nice big shock thing, and it's Elizabeth's body. Yeah. Which is a bit of a surprise, which yeah. means that she has apparently been killed by the vampires. Right. By, we, well, last saw, by we last saw her staring out the window watching them have their little shenanigans and, and, and we never, you know. Well, then they started to run off. And then they started to run off. The next thing we know, Elizabeth is dead. And this points directly to a scene being missing. That's my feeling. A sequence, even. Maybe even just them looking up and realize they're being watched or something, but they obviously came in and took care of Elizabeth and, yeah. and now she's dead. And by, but, but yeah, it's so awkwardly handled that you just for a minute you're just like, what? You know, and so... I feel I agree with you. I think there's something that's missing there. There's there's either a scene or a sequence. There's something. It's clumsy. Yeah. Because suddenly she's dead. We've given we're given absolutely no indicator mm. as to how this happens or what the what the reasoning behind right. it is. Right. So it's a little clumsy and and kind of kind of odd and not in, and not in the kind of way that would be like a shock. You know, a, a big a big shock. I mean, the, yeah. the shock is the reveal and the sh- and the shot. Yeah. The shock is not. What the hell? Yeah. Which is what you end up with. Sure. Kind of what the yeah. hell are we talking about here, moment? Yeah. So her body's draped across draped across this fence from gate. I almost thought it was I couldn't tell if it was that or if it was almost like a low hanging, almost like chandelier kind of thing or something. It's something that's was almost it? kinda of like swinging or revolving or but maybe oh, it is maybe more like, like a door, but I think because of the framing Could it's be. a little hard to tell Could what be. it is. But um but at this point she hears a voice calling uh, I'm sorry, Elvira hears a voice calling to her and Sees down that same misty hallway, misty foggy hallway, Genevieve calling to her. What she says to her is really interesting. It, it is. adds a little bit more character to the whole vampiric turning thing, mm-hmm. which is mix your blood with ours and you'll enjoy all pleasures. Mm-hmm. Because Genevieve is really enjoying this whole yeah. vampire thing. Well, she, she even, her first words even says, like, you know, because Elvira actually sees her and she's like, oh my God, what's happened to you? And she's like, I'm happy, you know. Yeah. She's, she basically says it straight out, which is a very strange thing to hear coming from a vampire. But, but she immediately, that's the first thing she says, I'm happy. And then, like she said, you said that they mix your blood with ours and come join in the fun. Now, as, as it, this looks very enticing, but luckily, Valdemar has heard her mm-hmm. yell when she spotted this dead body, and he shows up with the, the silver cross and waves it at Genevieve, and she exits the scene just as quickly as she can. So, obviously, va- these vampires are uh, leery of mm-hmm. crucifixes, crosses, religious symbolism. This is when he they're sit, they, they sit down and they start to put together the, their notes, and Daninsky is very quickly going, okay, look, the, 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 obviously this afternoon it was the monk Baptiste, that uh, you know is part of the legend, and he lays out this entire thing that he obviously seems to have been getting from this book he's reading. Yeah. About 
Well, it's, it's I guess it's impending. Well, it's, the 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 coming the coming while purges night. Right. Which is uh, how the the black the, the black monk these satanic worshippers would gather power and on that night be able to draw draw Satan to them and how Satan would appear. And uh, this is how the, the fallen angel would try to take man to the breaking point so that they would surrender forever, so that mankind would surrender forever. He's seeing this return of this dead countess and the, the black monk and uh, the vampiric attacks. This is all leading up right. to this day, mm-hmm. coming within a couple of days. This all points to this. Everything I've learned points to this. He wants Elvira to, to get the hell out of Dodge. He's yeah. worried about her. He wants her to leave. says, you know, look, the next, tomorrow, Pierre's going to be here. We'll have him load you up and get get you out of here. She wants nothing to do with this. She wants to stay and help him fight. Right at this point, she's still hoping to save Genevieve. Right. And she says, I can't leave. Genevieve's still here. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, plus there's an, the even bigger reason, which uh, <laughs> she I reveals. I can't leave you. I love you. I mean, she's done the complete 180 from... Valdemar, stri- you know, Valdemar strikes again, the Valdemar charm. And this is where no he throws... It. Yeah, this is where he throws the big kiss on her, and <laughs> boom, we're there. Okay, so we've got our our blondie in love with you, and mm-hmm. you're all good. Now, this is the point I'd like to like to, to share with you, the, the observation about the film very clearly points out that, uh, through Genevieve, that being turned into a vampire is all about uh, pleasure. Mm-hmm. This is a pleasant thing. This mm-hmm. person cursed with vampirism is not suffering. She's enjoying herself. Right. You don't wave a silver cross in this woman's face, and she is all about the happy, happy. <laughs> and it's set up very obviously as mm-hmm. uh, kind of the opposite of the werewolf curse, mm-hmm. um, where the cursed person is he does yeah. nothing but suffer. Yeah. I mean, it's it's That's nothing a but point. a conscience destroying mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very interesting. He's not drawing too much attention to it. He's not no. It's very well. Like I said, that did not occur to me. I did love the portrayal of vampires and how different it is. You know, from from everything we've seen, even in other of the films that we've talked about so far on the show. How it's, how it's but but I had not drawn the parallel between that and the way the werewolf curse is treated. And that's that's yeah, it's a great observation. But it's 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 a neat parallel and it's pretty cool. So as the film progresses, we go to the next day. Pierre shows up. We have no introductory scene with Pierre. No, no. We basically, basically, Alvira has agreed to. She's like saying, "I'm definitely staying," but he says, "Well, if you are staying, you know," he said, "Let Pierre tell us to take you to town to get gas for the car so that we can, you know, that we can get out of here." But I'll make, you know, while you're gone, I'll make. As he puts it, certain precautions uh, for our for your safety, and then he gives her the dagger and tells her to yeah, the, the, cro- the, cross. the cross, the cross slash dagger and says, carry this with you at all times. It, it will protect you from Vondessa. She, she says, okay, look, I'll go with, I'll go with Pierre, get the gas mm. and, um, come back. You get things set up and we'll go from there. We're going to the village on the old road. It may take time. You'll enjoy the trip. Pierre, would you take me to the post office? I must mail a letter. At Lecha, there is no post office, but I would like you to see our nice butcher shop. There's many other interesting things in our village, like our peaceful little cemetery, like every Sunday. You know, people are afraid of those who live near the monastery. <laughs> they think I'm crazy. You don't think I'm crazy, do you? I get angry when people think I'm crazy. Well, I have a good reputation. I think all people should have a good reputation. Yes, I do. Did you hear about the woman? She was found murdered last night, near where you're living. Some say a werewolf tore open her throat. Even I have been under suspicion. No, I never killed anyone. No, no. People blab all the time. They say a lot of things about me. 
It is only lies they are spreading. Rumors, and none of them are true. You're very beautiful. I love your long red hair. It's lovely. Don't ever cut it. Why do women cut their hair? Maybe they think it makes them look nicer. But it doesn't. Not at all. You know, I think I could like you. You know, there are many women I don't like. Not at all. Eh. Okay, okay. So Pierre <laughs> is the creepiest SOB you have ever been trapped in a car with in your life. <laughs> the, the fact that Elvira doesn't just hurl herself out of the car, on you know, down the mountainside is just a, ste- is a testament to her strength. I know. Oh, my <laughs> this, God. Th- that is the most priceless <laughs> ramble i don't know what you call it but but psychotic ramble psychotic ramble that's all you can call it i have a uh i have a a, i watching this i had this idea for you know a great like show called riding with pierre where where each (laughs) where each week you have like a different like famous person or famous person from history you know accepting a ride from pierre and the whole thing is just him giving one of these rambles till finally the person just Just throws themselves out of the the car Oh, oh man! Okay, okay, okay. Well, it has to be pointed out. Yeah, <laughs> psychotic as Pierre obviously is, yeah. he also cannot tell the difference between blonde and red hair. I know. He's like, I love your red hair, <laughs> and we're looking at it, going, "That's blonde, dude. <laughs> Where the hell your eyes are?" Holy shit! Oh man! But beyond this, beyond this, just the strangeness of the scene in that respect, it's just strange anyway. Because as we talked about, the differences between oh the English the and English Spanish, dub, yeah. what you've just heard is the English English dub. The Spanish <sighs> subtitles are vastly, vastly different uh, in very interesting ways. I mean, it's just bizarre the choices that they decide to have him speak this because in the subtitled version, he's actually. Even though it's still kind of a ramble, he's actually conveying a lot of interesting information. Like, for one thing, that he has a girlfriend in the town, which plays up later yeah. in the film because she actually, there's a scene with her later in the film. Yeah. The fact, and he kind of tells the whole story of, of how he came to work for, you know, uh, for Daninsky. And, um, well, he also he also gets across, and I can't remember now, <laughs> I can't remember if it's in the English <laughs> or the Spanish version, but we, we find out about the, uh, he's just blabbing, as he's just blabbing away, uh, he talks about there was a lightning strike a few months back on the the transformer near the house which, which like yeah. but, but no electricians would come out to fix it which is why mm. the house has no electricity which explains right. the whole thing about there being yeah. electrical feet electrical sockets and everything but no power uh, nobody, no, you know, nobody, everybody's afraid of, of the place, and so nobody will come out and to fix it. He talks about how nobody trusts Daninsky because, yeah, they think yeah. he's behind the, the new murders that have been going on. True, true, true. But it's... Um, it's a unique moment in the film. Let's well, just put it that way. And here's something crazy too: is is what's interesting too is is her reactions fit more with the dubbed version because the looks on her faces while he's saying this crazy shit in the English version that she has these looks on her face like like you know like oh you know thanks Baltimore you've stuck me with this with psycho you know which is really strange that her reactions go more with the English dub uh, rather than what he's saying in the subtitle version. But I do have a possible theory of why they chose to give him this bizarre psychotic r- uh, ramble in the English version, but we'll wait a little bit till the next time we oh, see, okay. till the All next right. time we see Pierre, because, uh, because <clears throat> actually there, uh, this, this wonderful, uh, dialogue he's speaking gets interrupted, uh, when they come to a tree that's fallen across the road. True. There's a tree across the road. Um, Pierre gets out to move it and, uh, the vampires appear, which means yeah. that apparently night has they, fallen. Yeah. And, uh, they, ju- they jump down. It's the, the good, it's the cool slow motion stuff. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, Elvira whips out the cross mm-hmm. and waves them off. Uh, and they run off hand in hand like, uh, yeah, they're, they're yeah. sometimes they're acting like, you know, they're, they come up with they're giggling as they're attacking them. You know, they're, they're just laughing True. and attacking them. When she pulls out the cross and it's almost like, oh, you spoiled our fun. They, and then hand in hand they run away. You know, it's 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 very um, it's, amazing it's, how these... It's creepy and strange. Creepy and, and you, yeah. you got to think, what was the psychotic Pierre thinking the whole time? <laughs> but uh, Donitsky, back at the, back at the house, mm-hmm. uh, he's taking the opportunity to bury his sister, sister Elizabeth now. He's got the freshly, freshly, freshly dug grave, and he takes her body out to to the side of it. There, basically, you know, says Vandessa's not going to get you, mm-hmm. and drives a wooden stake through her heart before he, mm-hmm. and then chops her head off for right. good measure, right? And then puts her body in puts her body in the ground and and covers it up. He's trying to make sure Elizabeth does not come back like Genevieve as a vampire, right? Although I have to admit, I, the way things are played out, I don't think that she would have simply because. I don't think that she, mm-hmm. we're never shown, yeah. but I don't think that she was actually attacked in a way that would have turned her into a vampire. Well, the because, fact that, well, I mean, the fact that Genevieve turned into a vampire immediately and, yeah. uh, and Elizabeth didn't, yeah, it's, it's, it made you think that Vandessa was not interested in having her come back regardless. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very true, very true. I think, by the way, the chopping the head off scene is one of the things that probably Nashy himself would have, would have looked at to complain about. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the film is concerned, for it not being as technically adept as he would have liked, because it, the, the head removal scene is a little sloppy. Yeah, with, uh, with the, the two blows with the axe, uh, probably he he would have rather that have been shot again. But once again, we're talking about low budget. Mm-hmm. Let's film it and get it in the can and get it out of here, kind of stuff. Yeah. Even though there are lots of neat flourishes throughout the movie, there there's, there's mm-hmm. nice stuff. Obviously, this that was, I yeah, think that this is something nice. Nashi would point to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very obviously a dummy there, you know, making it all happens in kind of a yeah, not a very convincing shot. I believe that when uh, she when she comes back, yeah, he's got yeah, Vera, um, he's telling her to to lock herself yeah. in her room. Well, basically in the lodge or the 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 old wing of the right, house right. to 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 to, you know, to keep the vampires from you, and and she's a little leery of this at the moment because mm-hmm. remember at this point she knows nothing about oh, no. this whole she werewolf has no idea. curse. Yeah. She says. She says to him, "Well, wait a minute. That's not going to keep them out. That's that. That's not going to keep them out. What are you? Why? What? What are you talking about?" And he's kind of like, "Come on, come on. You know, really, this is this is for the best. This will keep you safe. Yada yada." Mm-hmm. So she goes along with it. Okay, so she's supposedly safe, and we see our first full screen transformation. We see him mm-hmm. go through the entire transformation process this night as the moon rises. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's he kind of. Full bore tosses himself all over the room as, during the transformation. And did you notice something very odd about this transformation? It's done, you know, it, it's a gradual thing. Right. But it's done almost as if the the, the fur mm-hmm. is creeping up his body and up his face. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It did not occur, I didn't think about it in those terms, but you're right. It definitely does that because the bottom half of his face does it. It's almost like it comes up over his head. They're very it's, interesting. It's yeah, very I strange. Know. It's, it's yeah. almost like a big furry, like his neck and beard, mm-hmm. like, a, like a big beard. Mm-hmm. And then as it continues, your, your next shot of it is up to his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then the full, you know, then it goes to the, to the full transformation and it's his entire head. Mm-hmm. It, it's this slow, gradual thing up yeah. instead of a, a slow thickening everywhere. It's, very good it's point. this yeah. slow thing all the way up his face, which yeah. is which is, I've not seen it done exactly no, that either. way before in in one of the other films. And this is one of the kind of one of his longer tortured kind of transformations, which I think underscores again what you were saying. He was probably trying to draw again that kind of contrast between 
the curse of the werewolf and vampirism, you know, what it's like, you know, because he obviously yeah. I think he wanted to emphasize the overall just pain of the transformation. So it's a little bit of a longer scene there where he kind of thrashes all around the room and kind of mm-hmm. gradually changes. And another, uh, more kudos to Klamowski for how he shoots this sequence because he shoots it, especially the final bits of the transformation with a handheld camera. Mm-hmm. And so it's very it, it's it, it's kind of shaky, and you're you're following him. Yeah. And those final those final moments as he's fallen back on the bed and is in the and, and is drooling, and he's in the final form of the transformation. The the camera is you know is moving back as he kind of moves a little bit forward, kind of advancing a little bit forward, and it's very nice because it's a little jittery, oh. and just as kind of shaky and, and jittery mm-hmm. as. Well, it, it's just it's really good way to film it because it adds a bit of tension to mm. what's going on it's, mm. it's it's well done it's another one of those neat little directorial flourishes mm. that you notice in klamovsky's films it's like when he had the chance when he had the opportunity when he had the time yeah they're there and they're Enjoys. really they're really sweet yeah so uh he turns leaps out the window and yeah. goes running off into the night of course mm-hmm. elvira sitting in her room with the locked door here's a here's a wolf howl which we know has got to be yeah Daninsky. right and Donitsky runs off into the end of the woods and uh, finds himself a nice little happy hobo cooking a meal <laughs> over a fire and guts his ass. Uh, actually, claws him to death, yeah. uh, which is which is interesting. That's uh, um, actually a moment in the film that I don't particularly like the way it's filmed. I just yeah. I just praise Klamovsky. Let me I know, yeah. give him the back of my hand with this one. Mm. It's it's a point of view shot with. Daninsky yeah. essentially just taking swipes at the camera lens. Yeah, it's nowhere near as interesting uh, as, as some of the other werewolf attacks we've seen. Yeah, I agree. That didn't really do a lot for me either. I didn't think it was all that uh, all that exciting. Or, it's not. You know, I know. agree with you. Elvira's very tired. Of course, she's got to sit there the whole damn night while Loverboy is off mm. slaughtering hobos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, she's very tired. And, uh, Maybe at least get... he's not fooling around with any miniskirted, you know, uh, women in the woods. Oh, that's you know? true. So he's a little more faithful now. He's like, he's only going to kill the men. Only going to kill them uh, on the uh, hobos. On, only hobos, honey. And hey, only hobos. Any hobos gonna, you know, have himself a camp out in the, you know, in the in the in the forest here, you know, in this this town, you know, he's taking he's he, he should know the risk. So. Yeah, truly. Come on, guy. <laughs> uh, so she's very tired. Ends up putting her head down, mm. and oh my lord, the vampires appear right there in the room with her. All slow mo and shit, mm-hmm. and uh, come over and they one of them holds her while the other sticks a knife in her in her neck and they start lapping up the drink. They they put a chalice under the yeah. the gushing blood and are drinking her blood out of a cup and then they kind of do this weird spin dance. The the two vamps do this link bizarre. hands and kind of like yeah. like kind of twirl away. You know, once again like two little children. You know, and there's this there's this whole childlike quality to these vampires, which which I think is 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 fascinating. Again, we talked about how it's it's showing vampirism as being this this kind of this pleasure basically yeah but but i love the way you know again that rather than making them sort of menacing and evil creatures obviously they're evil but it's this kind of childlike perversity that you know they're they're just sort yeah. of totally almost innocence weird weird kind of innocence to it and in a way yeah. it kind of i think it's kind of a neat way of of making them almost fairy tale kind of creatures it kind of harkens back to the european fairy tale tradition without just like hammering you over the head with it it's actually kind yeah, of a subtle point. thing about it that's a very different depiction from yeah. uh from from what we're used to in uh english and american depictions of vampires and you know it's and it's, it's it's truly unique it's very very interesting but of course this turns out to have been just a dream sequence anyway yeah right she didn't really get stabbed mm-hmm. in the neck and the vamps right. weren't weren't really there we don't know where the vamps were right. at this point in the film they mm-hmm. definitely just weren't there the next morning poor old waldemar comes home stumbles home much the worse for wear, his clothes all ripped, yeah. he looks like crap. And she's waiting for him there at home. 
takes him in her arms, and this is where finally he's going to have to yeah. fess up. Because as many a man has had to do came... when he came home late and the woman when the <laughs> missus was wondering, you know, it's fess up time. Oh, I hadn't really thought of it in those terms, but yeah, you're right. That's like... So uh, so obviously she waited till sunrise, yeah. couldn't find him in the house, yeah. which means he's been out catting around That's or something. Right. <laughs> he's actually out wolfing around. Wolfing around. And so, so... so she says, you better have a good explanation of this, mister, and we're going to hear what Valdemar yeah. has to say. It happened when I was exploring Tibet. I became a werewolf. Later, I took shelter in a remote village near the Austrian border. Elizabeth used to help me by chaining me to the wall any time there was a full moon. Then one night I got away and killed some people. The villagers found out about my secret. They shot at me with silver bullets. No bullet brought death to me. I'm condemned to wander about the world, a lost soul. And only love can save you, am I right? Yes. That love must drive the hand and stab my heart. It must be done with a Mayenza cross to free my soul. That's why you were looking for this cross. Yes, that's right. And unfortunately, it brought Wandessa back. And Genevieve's blood brought Wandessa back to life. Yes. She turned her into a vampire and tried to do the same with Elizabeth. Maybe you'll be next. Wandessa will try to stay alive for that horrible night of the Valpurgis. We must find out where she's hiding and try to destroy her. It's difficult. So many places. It takes time. We must try. She has, the, she has the power and we have the cross. Then the search should begin at the old cemetery. Yes, vampires need a tomb to hide in. I fear for you here. You must leave and get completely away. Go where? To the village? They're ignorant people, easily get excited. Pierre must have told them some things. Perhaps they found out what happened last night. Besides, I'm sure Wandessa will take her revenge against them. Their ancestors caused her death. I won't go. I'll stay with you, near you, darling. Interesting that his explanation for how he got the curse involves Tibet. Yeah, I know now, we thought this. We had the same thought, didn't we? Yeah. Well, first of all, we know yet you know obviously it's always going to make us think of Werewolf of London, which he references all the time. But this also, I think, rang a bell to us for another reason. Yeah, because this is basically the plot of Not a Howling Beast or Werewolf and the Yeti, whatever title you know it under. Exactly, and yeah, I found myself thinking, okay. Even though that movie, I think I started thinking, wow, that was made later. But if you started thinking of Night of the Howling Beast as a prequel, and at the <laughs> end of that, now remember at the end of that he was cured, but you could always, you know, but but what if he wasn't really cured and the curse came back and then at some point he, you know, got shot by silver bullets and you know. But I started thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, I'm no, heading down a path that's going to lead to insanity if I try and tile these Voldemar <laughs> <laughs> Daninsky stories into. That's like, that's like trying to make sense out of the Friday the Thirteenth films. No, <laughs> exactly. stop. Yeah, stop trying. I know you're not going to get just anywhere. roll with it. Just roll with it. Yeah. But it is. But it was actually kind of a neat. Uh, well, and I also thought, oh, and he's dressed in black throughout this whole film, just like he was in, you know, not the Hell Beast. He was the Man in Black again. You know. No, so, no, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. That's not. It's not going to help. <laughs> Anyway, that night, Genevieve comes alone to Elvira while Daninsky is away. He's out in the cemetery waiting for the vamps to come back because yeah. he knows that at least they have to come back to this area somehow or another right. after, at the end of the night. He's going to wait there and try to kill them. He's got his hammer and stakes and all that. And he thinks, surely, surely Elvira's safe. She was safe last night. Mm-hmm. 
But Genevieve comes alone to Elvira and uh, sucks her blood. Mm. Uh, doesn't put up much resistance there. I, I, you kind of yeah. get, a, there's a little sense that it's, uh, once again, the kind of vampiric hypnosis thing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. She, yeah, she entrances her pretty quickly. Yeah. He's, he's found the, the spot where he's pretty sure Genevieve goes to rest. And surely enough, as the night, as the night uh, reaches its end, she comes back and he confronts her and they face off. Now, what's great is that she shows up, he, he jumps out and has the stake and mallet in his hands. And it's, once again, yeah. that kind of vampiric hypnosis yeah, she, thing. she has him for a minute. She yeah. has him there for a second. She really does, because he drops the She would have me. And, it's, it's, you know, with Barbara Capel, my uh, God. She's, yeah. you know, she's absolutely, <laughs> truly one of the sexiest vamps yeah. Yeah. of the 70s, yeah. bar none. And he start, he he comes over to her, and you think for just a second there, she's going to actually get to bite his neck, but he manages to resist her, starts fighting her off physically, pushes her back, and manages to impale her on a cross, on a wooden cross that's uh, there at one of the other graves. Mm-hmm. Uh, really nicely done scene. I'm it really is. happy with with uh, Genevieve's vampiric death. Very nicely done. It's, yeah. it's a good scene. Mondessa observes this happening from a distance, mm. retreats to her hiding place. Uh, we see her run off in mm. slow motion. Great scene there. Yeah, 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 yeah. She runs off into the into the ruins there of the yeah. of what looks to be the the chapel of Saint Anne mm. as the sun rises. Mm-hmm. Uh, really nicely done. We see Elvira as soon as Genevieve's heart is pierced and, and is killed as a vampire. The marks on her neck disappear right. they fade right away right so she's saved from being a vampire so she's no longer damned i guess mm-hmm. would be the the best way to put it now this is where we get one of those bizarre moments mm-hmm. where the the movie's timeline takes a leap right well first of all let's talk about the fact that we only had one night of the full moon yeah yeah so, which is throwing the first coast aren't you supposed to have three and yet yeah. he's the next night and he's not turning into a werewolf so what happened? right yeah i mean it's very strange. There's there's some real sloppiness right mm-hmm. here in the script mm-hmm. about he didn't you know him about him turning into a wolf this night but not the night following, and he doesn't appear to have turned into a wolf the night before that. Right. So there's some real sloppiness here, and to add to the sloppiness, you have to dig. You have to be very attentive to the dialogue in the next scene to get the idea that apparently weeks have passed. Mm-hmm. And during these weeks, they have not seen Wandessa. They have continued to search the ruins of the of the chapel, trying to find her resting place. Right. But she's not come back and tried to attack them this whole period of time. And they're kind of at a at a stopping point. They don't know where to look next. Right. Well, here's where we get a scene where Marcel back in uh, back in Paris. He's he's gotten a letter that Elvira fired off the last time uh, she was near a post office. Right. And he's requ- he, he requests some time off from a uh, superior so he can go try to find her because he's getting a little bit worried about her because he's only gotten the one letter. Mm-hmm. But as as we did say earlier, as the, the I guess the one thing that <laughs> that did have relevance in in Pierre's uh, ramble earlier on is he did mention there's no post office, so these letters have not come from the town that she's actually staying in, and that's what right. part of his mystery is. He's trying to figure out how do I pinpoint where she's actually at. We we have our we have an uh, the next full moon night, which means that essentially they've spent three and a half weeks or longer trying to find and kill Wandessa and have had no luck. Mm-hmm. You have to start thinking, well, you know, she's a vampire. What's going on there, right? Yeah. It's, it's got to put that question in your mind. Yeah. Elvira's at her her station with the doors locked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the place that she's gone, obviously gone to every night to keep herself safe. And she's got Daninsky right to it. This time we see that he's chained up or is this the point i think right, right yeah Where, oh yeah, yeah definitely he's uh he's out in that outbuilding mm-hmm. uh she's up she's chained and manacled him to the ceiling 
so that uh, he won't get loose and possibly come after her. Mm-hmm. But we have a strange encounter this evening because <laughs> Valdemar turns. He turns into full full bore werewolf, but he's he's chained up. Strangely, Elvira decides to come out of her little cubby hole. Yeah, she, hears yeah, she hears yeah, something. She hears something, so she comes out and she she. It might just be curiosity to actually see yeah. to prove to herself because she has not seen him as a werewolf, and it may be just this that she has to. Maybe she's coming to actually try and see for herself that this is really happening to him, which would be a really stupid thing to do. But yeah, hey, yeah. maybe. <laughs> But she she opens the door and is immediately attacked by uh, a skulking Pierre. Pierre. <laughs> Pierre grabs her yeah. and knocks her out. Yeah. So Pierre is obviously you know he's he's guy he's had his eye on this uh, blonde oh, redhead. Yeah. As he's always he's carrying her off. He's he's giving what's his I guess what sweet talk in Pierre style, which is you know <laughs> you know I love you forever. You'll be belong to me. You know. <laughs> He's obviously a psycho. Oh, I love this character. It's just, and what what I love is that obviously only a complete loony psycho would have gone out and worked for this guy that everybody else thinks right, is a yeah. dangerous lunatic and is yeah. responsible for murders, right? So I guess it makes sense in a way that only a Looney Tune would be well, doing this. And I think, and this is where I wanted to make the point back to uh, where the scene in the the truck where we were talking about the differences between, you know, why did they just make him just give him this total nonsensical, creepy dialogue as opposed to what he was originally saying in the uh, Spanish version. And, and I really think that they were trying to set it up, he set him up as more of a crazy person to explain you know, the fact that he, you know, turns into this obvious, you know, lunatic rapist, you know, later on. But it's like, <laughs> hey, we've seen Paul Nashie movies. He's a vocal villager. We know he's a lunatic rapist. That's, that's all. That, that's the, the only thing. That, that's the only thing. That's all that men are. And he's, but um, really, I think it would have been more effective if they had just made it match more with the original Spanish dialogue because it would have been a little bit more of a surprise when he just comes out of nowhere and he's obviously obsessed with her, you know. But I guess yeah. it works both ways. But either way, uh, yeah, he's, uh, either way, we've pretty much totally forgotten him at this point where he just suddenly leaps out of nowhere and, and whisk, whisk Elvira away to... Become, becomes tangential plot point, you know, Q. Yeah, yeah, exactly. you know, where he just leaps out of nowhere and decides yeah, to, yeah. to go berserk. Well, luckily for Elvira, she does not have to face a lifetime of matrimony to Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> a very short lifetime. No, yeah. because, of course, the werewolf shows up yeah. and starts fighting Pierre. Yeah, apparently those chains weren't that strong. So, uh, yeah, he does manage to... Uh, El Hombre Lobo is able to break his chains... And uh, comes to one of these great rescues where, you know, he surprises Pierre and makes him just, like, totally drop Elvira on her ass, you know, another one of those just... <laughs> well, that, that's one of those moments. If you watch that scene, i got to tell you, as an aside, it's very obvious how they had to shoot that, which yeah. was... Uh, he's he's walking toward the camera when he drops her. It's very obvious they had to have some mattresses or something oh, laid out there because he drops her he, hard. He drops her hard, and it's completely out of frame, so it that's is, great. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, man, you know, I'd, ha- I'd hate for them to not have done it that way. They had to have done it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. What I love is that Pierre kind of gives him a brief, a pretty good he's, brief I was fight. I mean, say, it wasn't, he may be insane, but he gives as good as he gets. And yeah, uh, maybe, maybe the fact that he is insane is he's not necessarily as afraid of the werewolf. You know, it's just like, ah, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't like it when werewolves attack Pierre. You know, yeah, well it. now, bitch slap you. <laughs> I like your fangs. Don't cut. Don't 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 cut them. You know. But of course, Pierre being Pierre and not being a el hombre loco lobo. Yeah, he, he dies. Right, he, he gets his throat ripped fight, out. He does. He does. Yeah, he does get killed. He, and with the throat rip, we get a, a nice big chunk of meat oh, yeah. pulled away. It's a, yeah. it's a hunk of beefsteak. I'm telling you, man, that's a big dangling <laughs> chunk of flesh. Uh, that That's a grotesque moment there. It really is. It's pretty nasty. Uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. So cut away from that to the next day with Marcel arriving in the uh, in the local town that the letter came from. Mm. He sees a, this is a neat little scene. This is one of the... We should we should point out that uh, originally the English language version of this film 
it's been restored in, in every version that you'll see on DVD now, pretty mm-hmm. much. But uh, these scenes with uh, Marcel doing doing some investigating and trying to find out where the hell Elvira has gotten to mm-hmm. were cut out and trimmed down to just one scene. Right. But I, I really think they probably would have done well to leave this scene in because he when he enters this town, he sees a, a funeral procession. And that's kind of a neat little thing there. But then we get to this internal conversation with the mayor of the town where he's been talking to everybody in town, trying to find out some information, see if anybody's seen these two women, Elvira and Genevieve. He's not getting anywhere. He's getting no, getting no information. The mayor's a dick. Yeah. Denies that the, mur- that the murders are murders, actually. What's great is that the information is given in this scene about there having been several murders of women in the town yeah. over the past few weeks. Which immediately to the knowing viewer points to you, hey, okay, wait a minute, this is where Wandessa's been going right. to get her victims. Mm-hmm. She's not trying to screw around with the people with the big silver cross that right. can kill me. Right. I'll you know, I'll venture into town here. Yeah. She's biding her time to Walpurgis night and so she's, yeah. you know, just kinda like you know, gathering strength by her nightly kills apparently of, of village women. Yeah, and of course this oncoming Walpurgis night is what's creeping what's creeping Daninsky out pretty hard because he's completely convinced from what he's from what he's learned that this is what she's waiting for and that this is going to be some kind of apocalyptic thing. So, back back at the house, the the two lovers yes. are in bed. We have mm-hmm. Daninsky and Elvira, his latest true love, mm-hmm. because don't he get a true love in every film? <laughs> They're laying there in bed. You're the first woman who's ever loved me is the quote. You're the first woman who's ever loved me. <laughs> He is either That's a lie. Yeah, yeah, he is either the lionest sob would ever been, or I mean, I, it's BS. But I mean, he seems to believe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, well, wait a minute, who plugged you with the yeah. two bullets? <laughs> right. Yeah. That we saw at the beginning of the film <laughs> that put you down. I don't understand. Did that? Did, did that? Per- I mean, obviously, this person loved you, right? Yeah. yeah but, <laughs> Best not to confuse and or confront the werewolf when he's BSing a woman who's laying in bed naked to him. That's right. That's right. Then we get the scene of where uh, Marcel, back in town, he actually talks to, he meets Pierre's girlfriend, uh, who's a who's a shop shop girl, uh, right? And, and uh, talks to her. Uh, now this is the this is what the, the this is a scene that was in the English language cut, right? Because it is actually pertinent because this is what actually gives him the clue to where. Elvira is staying because because this girl being Pierre's girlfriend, uh, you know that she she knew about Pierre uh, working working for Daninsky, I guess, and, and yeah, uh, yeah. The the girl you want is and she and she says, yeah, I know the girl you're looking for. Yeah. She's living out in the country at this at this house. She refers to it as a cursed place, which mm-hmm. of course you know lays out all the information that we you kind of in in capsule form gives you the information about why people wouldn't go out there in the first place. Right. Talks about her her boyfriend visiting the ruins and. Losing his interest in sex, and it's like, well, no, he just you know he wanted the blonde redhead. I'm yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry I, just, I just can't stop myself. I love the blonde redhead idea. Yeah. <laughs> the next sequence is when we see um, Valdemar out walking in the woods by himself for some damn reason, and he gets uh, attacked by uh, a pissed off local villager who's yeah. come out there with a knife. Right. He's accusing him of being the person killing all the women in town. He, he's he's been driven crazy by the death of his wife and child, mm-hmm. attacks Daninsky, stabs him twice, and it doesn't do a thing right, to him. Right. Uh, Daninsky, you know, just pushes him away, and the guy conveniently falls on his own knife. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, th- this this scene, it's it's interesting. It, it's sloppy. The falling on yeah, the knife yeah, thing is sloppy. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, unfortunately, the editing shows before... The, 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 the editing is very sloppy, and it's kind of a sl- it's sloppily done. Mm-hmm. But 
the, the reason the scene is there is to give us an idea that the the, the villagers are are, are you know, this is just adding to the idea of this being a cursed place and him being some kind of murderer, some kind of lunatic. Mm-hmm. Interesting scene. Honestly, could have been left out. It could have. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. It all, I mean, all, I think the reason he wanted it in there was it kind of adds to Daninsky's uh, depression. His right, his overall sense of guilt and tragedy yeah. and everything that yeah that's going on. All the you know, I'm sure he does have some sort of feeling that he's caused a lot of what's going on and. And then, of course, the very next the very next uh, sequence is Marcel finding the house mm-hmm. and being introduced to this whole situation. He comes to the house and find uh, he find, well he sees sees the car there, so mm-hmm. he, he knows he, he recognizes the car, uh, and he gets introduced to the situation. Right, Elvira greets him at the door, and she's happy to see him. You know, she's uh, yep. but then when he then he goes to kiss her, and she turns away, and that's a pretty immediate sign right there that things have changed. I think as men, we've all been there. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's yes. A, I'm, I'm, yes, I've heard about that happening. But Oh, oh, <laughs> oh of course it would never happen to you. Well, naturally not, you know. It's because it's, 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 it's pentagram that's on my chest. <laughs> <laughs> Automatically makes you ten times more more dashing. Yeah. No, uh, we, no, actually, yes, we can all identify with that feeling. There. Yeah. I'd like to really briefly mention that the actor playing... Marcel. Yeah, I was gonna. I was wondering. I didn't get a chance to uh, His name up is uh, Andres Rezino, mm-hmm. uh, or Rezino, um, Rezino, something like that. He's a he's a Spanish actor, and I've seen him in a few things. A few things that I'd like to see him in as well. Uh, he was in Seven Murders for Scotland Yard, mm-hmm. okay. but he was also in one of my favorite little known Spanish horror films, uh, Murder Mansion, which came out in 1972. Yeah, I've heard you talk about that one. Yeah, I really enjoy that film. And uh, he was also in uh, Jess Franco's Lovers of Devil Island, or huh. Devil Island Lovers. There's hmm. you know a couple different ways to to, to spin that title out there. Uh, the, o- the only other film that uh, I'm aware of is one that I want to see, but I've never been able to see. It's known under a couple of different titles, either Black Commando or Othello, the Black hmm. Commando. Wow. From 82, which... Uh, That's Tony Curtis. Yeah, then. Tony Curtis. It's supposed to be really strange and basically bad. something I really want to see. Yeah, I would like to see uh, Because too. it does appear to be some kind of take on Othello with, you know, characters mm-hmm. named Desdemona, Desdemona and, you know, Iago yeah. and Cassius. And, yeah. But obviously not set in the period in which wow. the, the play was set. So uh, he's he's a very interesting actor, and his I, I've seen him in like I say a few things here and there. Yeah. He's quite good and, and a very he's a handsome man. Guy. Yeah, he's a likable guy, and you know he's 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 a, he's a very handsome man, a very good actor. And you're and right, takes, takes me in the cuckold fairly well here. Yeah, and he, you're right. He he was apparently at one point married to Eva Leone, who mm-hmm. we'd know from Inquisition. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, Eva Leone is in uh, I, I Hate, hate my, my Body. body. There's another that one film that keeps I coming. keep bringing up, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. So Marcel is uh, introduced to the situation in, shall we say, harsh terms. Yeah. Marcel, I'm sorry that you had to find out about Elvira and me this way. I'd have preferred to tell you under different circumstances, but it's so difficult to explain. Perhaps the death of Genevieve brought us closer. Didn't you know? It's so difficult to explain. Because things here are quite normal. Marcel, it's difficult to understand me. It's not a matter of facts and figures. I need her. She's important to me. Marcel, I need her help. You say you need her. I suppose you can explain these strange deaths connected to you. Waldemar, I'm fully prepared to get a complete investigation underway, even though it's not my jurisdiction. All this talk about werewolves and vampires. I don't believe in such fairy tales. I deal only in concrete evidence. 
and I can't expose O'Leary to unknown problems. And something else, Waldemar. I've heard certain things that needs a special investigation from a policeman to clear things up. Because you see, it seems that Pierre Grillon, your handyman, has been found killed near the knight's tomb. The knight's tomb? Naturally, I don't believe these rumors and accusations against you. Without all the facts. I just want Elvira out of danger, and if you loved her, you'd want the same thing too. It's important, especially if you want me to believe you. To help convince Elvira, since she has this strange attachment for you, to leave this place and come away with me. What's most important to me is something non-explainable. She must have here. Now look here. No way possible she's going to stay behind with you. It's insanity. There's something mad about you. How can you expect her to remain here with you? I know she should go back to civilization, familiar surroundings, to be with her friends, be far off, away from the spell you've cast upon her. Then she'll come back to her normal senses. And I assure you, if Elvira desires to return, come back, I mean. I'll agree once you're cleared. I guess you're right. Marcel, I'll convince Elvira to return with you. Thank you, Waldemar. I wait in my car. Nice touch with the the kind of the wolf how, the wolf ah, like call that. in the background at the very end of that uh, end of that clip. I like that. Yeah, but do you good. notice as we've talked about the screw up? Yes. Because we know who killed Pierre. We know who ripped his big meaty throat out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and how the hell did his body get to the knight's tomb? Yeah. In other words, this to me is a screw up in the translation, right. where it shouldn't have been Pierre's body that was found there. A body should have been found right. there. Which because this is what gives Daninsky the the, the idea where that's why I need to go is. hunt. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so you're right. It was it was yeah. There was they they. I think you're right. They just screwed up and by having it Pierre when it should have just been the body of a of a woman was of a woman or, or, or like some that. other guy or anything like that. Yep. But he knows that tonight is actually well purchased night, so he's mm-hmm. got more than one reason to want Elvira out of the out of the area. Right. And he tells her once I kill Wandessa, I think I know where she is now. I don't even think he. I don't even think he intimates that he thinks he knows now where she is. I don't but, think he would no, because yeah. pretty much he sends. Pretty much the next thing we see is he just sends. You know, is Elvira is leaving with Marcel. He says, "Once I kill her, we can pick back up and everything will be good." Mm-hmm. Which, of course, we know is crap. <laughs> He's just yeah. hoping she believes it enough to get out of there. Right. Right. And so they drive off, and and uh, he starts his prep work for what he's going to have to do that night. Of course, sadly. Marcel and Elvira, they don't make it back to town. They uh, they're driving down through the woods, trying to get trying, you know, getting getting away from the place, and uh, a body gets tossed onto the hood of the car. <laughs> right now, tell me something. Uh-huh. Did that body look like the barmaid? I didn't think that about he was that. Talking to I, earlier? I didn't recognize I who really it tell. was, but wow, you know. There's probably a real good chance that's who it was. I'm gonna have to go back and look and see because it didn't occur to me. I didn't rec- I just thought it was a random. It, I did not recognize it, but uh, wow. It may have been, but it's it's, it's hard to tell. I but that'd be I a great touch tell. if it was. It uh, you know, and it probably. I, I think you may be right. Well, of course, the body's tossed on the car by Vandessa. Inspector Marcel is gonna get out and check it out. He gets out, sees this woman slow mo coming toward her, mm-hmm. recognizes evil just immediately. Yeah. Got to got to admire his eye for that, and yeah. just empties his handgun into her. <laughs> You're no Bond girl. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. But, of course, it has no effect. Right. 
Uh, she laughs. She's really enjoying this. Mm-hmm. And then we, the film fades. Mm-hmm. So we don't see exactly how what this happens, happens yeah. but we next see that Elvira and Marcel are chained up in this room in the ruins of the mm-hmm. of the uh, of the, of the the old chapel. Right. Chained to the to the wall in this tomb, and this is where we hear Mondesa explaining that uh, you'll be Satan's slave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she says she'll have revenge against Waldemar, yeah. which I can only imagine means for killing Genevieve. You know, I guess that's the only way she could. Yeah. It's weird because I kept thinking through the film there was going to be some sort of intimation of some sort of past history with uh, Waldemar, especially the way he reacted when her name is first mentioned to him earlier in the film. That whole weird dinner table scene, you know. But it's it must just be that they're sort of in weird ways kindred spirits that are just aware well, I th- of each I other. Think his, I think that. his reaction has to have something to do with his reading and his research that he's been doing because he's obviously not researching monasteries he's right, trying he's to find a way yeah. he's yeah he's trying to fly, find a way to get in you know to, yeah. to end his True. life True. so i think that that's mm. what what the weird fugue state was earlier so when Dessa explains that on while well, purges night but you know essentially what's what's going to happen is she's going to she's going to use them and 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 uh, take her revenge and that uh, essentially spilling their blood is going to be what uh, she needs to do to mm. kickstart the whole big evil mm. satanic evil apocalypse. apocalypse. Yeah, they... we cut. They, they're just left chained there, and uh, as night as night falls, we see that. I think Elvira is now chained to a table. She's, she's, she's been strapped moved to, to the, the top to of the, the crypt. Slab. Yeah, she's yeah, actually they... on chain now to the top of the crypt. But but we've, we we get one brief scene where we see that. Valdemar is out uh, with a map hunting around the place. You're right. He's, he's, you're right. he's, he's out looking, looking yeah. around. Uh-huh. And then Elvira is strapped down to the crypt. And as things begin, as this whole sequence of events begins, she starts this uh, ritual. Mm-hmm. We see this very cool thing, uh, like which is the this kind of this shadow of Satan, this demonic, yeah, satanic like that. uh, nice shadow mm-hmm. that starts to grow up across the wall, mm-hmm. which shows that this you know this 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 ritual being performed is is starting to have its effect. Yeah. And he's starting to show up, mm-hmm. but as uh, soon as Waldemar he finds the room and walks in, that shadow retreats back away mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Valdemar sticks the the cross yeah, in the wall the cross, there. Yeah, he, sti- yeah he sticks the the cross in the in a, in a niche there over the doorway he came into, which appears to be the only way really in. Yeah. So now he's effectively trapped on that's inside by putting right. it by the door there. She can't cross that. She can't get out the door. Right on cue, <laughs> the moon rises, mm-hmm. and you'd have to think, I guess, while well, just night, you'd have to have the moon rise. Yeah. But of course. They get it on. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a rumble it's a throw down the crypt, Monster baby. mash this time, yeah. Uh, yes, it's 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 so it's it's my kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should also, well, now we have to point out that uh, before he turns into a werewolf and while he's got Wandessa trapped by the dagger, now he does free Elvira from the chains. Oh, yeah, he goes over and frees Elvira from the chains. He doesn't free Marcel yet. He frees Elvira, and then that's when he changes. That's when, he, that's when he turns. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elvira... As he starts to turn, runs over and starts trying starts to undo trying Marcel, to Marcel's yeah. uh, right, chains. Right. It's the werewolf versus the, the vampire, vampire chick. Woman. Not and... women, as in the title, but the vampire woman. Well, now, see, that's just it. Uh, there's an alternate title of woman or women. Oh, you've seen it both ways? Yeah, I've okay. seen, it, seen it both no, ways. I didn't know seen, that. seen okay. it listed both ways. Okay. But uh, the fight is pretty, pretty interesting. There's this, oh, there's this great backward leap. She leaps away from him. Yeah, yeah. Toward the doorway, but it's obviously as far as she can go, and it's really well shot. Mm-hmm. Very cool. He's trying to rip her throat out. Mm-hmm. She's trying to do the same to him. Mm-hmm. And um, finally, he gets the better of her. Yeah. 
Yeah. As we kind of, I mean, his his name's above the title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he he manages to out. Yeah. he does manage to rip her throat out. She collapses, and then we have the her entire body do this neat gelatin dissolve. Yeah, yeah. And then maggots and or worms or really kind of you know mm. what is the thing what are the, what are the worms they use the grub worms that they use to fake <laughs> fake maggots? On yeah, those? you're right. They're all over her, her disintegrated yeah, body yeah. here. They could have left the maggots out. That just seemed that seemed pointless. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> But once again, we learned something we learned in our very first podcast. Mm-hmm. Werewolves can kill vampires by ripping their throats out. That's right. That's right. It's, it's Werewolves off name. vampires like that. Mm-hmm. You rip their throats out and they go. They're gone. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> See, this is something that without the Nashi films, we'd have never known. We didn't. We didn't. We, we did not know this. And this is valuable and I've information. I've tried to educate so many people on that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to listen. Uh, they don't. They, they just, don't want to listen. Youth of today, they just think they know everything. I know it's sad, but uh, Elvira. She don't waste no time. She don't waste no time. After after the gelatinized vamp, she grabs oh. the, the 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 cross out of the out of the wall and in jams one, it right in into one, his chest. In one moment, she doesn't even hesitate or even look longingly at Valdemar. Sorry, nope. I'll miss you. She grabs that knife and wham. <laughs> nope, it's pins, over. Yeah, pins him right in the heart. Yep. Yep. And then we have the slow motion chains falling from the yeah the, from the wall. Strange but nicely symbolic little touch where the chains yeah once once the the evil is dead and and, and peace is restored yeah the chains just all fall by themselves off the wall and including the ones that are holding Marcel yeah which which, which was neat and I, I yeah. like once again like the actor's reaction to that yeah mm-hmm. and then uh, she's weeping of course she's crying mm-hmm. as now he's turned back into poor Waldemar there at the mm-hmm. there on the floor dead with yeah. you know big dagger shoved through his heart. And they, the two of them, Marcel and Elvira, walk hand in hand out into the sunrise. Yeah, yeah we have to remember that uh, again. This is this is an early stage uh, uh, Paul Nashi movie where he hadn't quite gotten to as the part of where he had to kill everybody in the script. He was still <laughs> he was still in these early films. He was still willing to let a couple of people walk away and uh, possibly I, have happiness later on. And I suspect she will not cry too long walking away in the you know uh, uh, with the good looking cop walking away in the arms of Marcel there and yeah. He's a good-looking guy. That's true. And then we come up to the the poignant, emotional <laughs> closing theme. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention again the inappropriately god-awful music that totally stomps all over whatever mood the film had set. La, la, by la, la, la. I know. La, 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 la. I guess I will torture them with the, the closing theme. Yeah, at the stay, end of the stay, stay tuned to the end. Uh, don't go away, listeners. You don't go away. You'll theme. be, you'll be inundated with with the horror so there we have it werewolf shadow once again uh, I, I will say this um on revisiting this film this turns out to be yet another one that falls a notch in my estimation mm. when i go back to it some mm. of some of them have gained sure uh horror rises from the tomb has, mm. has gained vengeance of the mummy really gained <clears throat> this one kind of drops about a, a notch. Interesting that it's the ones that are doing this are the ones that generally get mentioned as his most well known because Count Dracula's Great Love was another you know yeah that one example, fell. You yeah, know, that one fell. and and uh, yeah, it's a good film. I still think it. <laughs> it is, I still oh, I still yeah, like it quite I a bit. I still very much enjoy it. But doing a a, a scene by scene mm. breakdown of it like this really points out the the, the heavy duty weaknesses mm. of of the film the kind of the, the bizarre jumps the odd edits mm-hmm. the the unfortunate moments and i'm not talking i'm not talking about things that you can attribute to uh budgetary constraints yeah, that's right. not the kind of thing i'm talking about i'm talking right. about odd points in the script that needed to be sanded down yeah yeah they just didn't get the attention that they that they needed for whatever reason i still love the film i still I think it really is one of his top-notch films it's very atmospheric it's 
beautifully well directed. It, 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 it's it's a, it's a it's a neat neat mm. film. I like it, but it did it did drop a, a notch. I have to admit because my memory of this was that it was as strong as something like Horror Rises from the Tomb. But honestly, it's not up to that level. Right. Good film. Really enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah, I want to ask you um, because I made a reference earlier this in the film, and we both kind of did, and so we put it together later. But obviously, you know, the slow motion monk running. You know, we made kind of a laugh about it. Obviously, reminding us of Tombs of the Blind Dead. But one thing yeah. I think is so fascinating about this film is the fact that you know this and Tombs of the Blind Dead basically. Well, this is listed as 1970. Tombs of the Blind Dead 1971. They pretty much almost had to be in production about the same time. They had to. Now, in Paul Nash's autobiography, he mentions the fact that not only was this an incredibly important film, kind of kicking off this whole boom in, in Spanish, you know, fantasy film. Uh, he said had a great influence on films came after it. Now, that's probably a a not so veiled reference to Tombs of the Blind Dead and many other films. If you were to ask Paul Nash, if he were to ask. He would probably tell you that you know he takes full credit for for all that. Now, if you sure. were to ask Diosorio, he would probably tell you something differently. But what I think, because of the fact they had to be made almost at the same time, I don't really see Tombs of the Blind Dead as 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 being necessarily stealing the visual ideas from Werewolf Shadow. I almost see it as just this kind of simultaneous thing, almost. And you know, I don't. Yeah. I really have no way of knowing. But to me, it's just kind of more fascinating to think of it in terms of these. Ideas just sort of all flowering at once in 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 in, in this in it's interesting. Obviously, Paul Nashie was a hugely influential figure in that, uh, but it's just interesting that these visual ideas, these ways of depicting these creatures that were so different from what had come before, um, and and you know, is is just an interesting way to look at it or to think about it. I don't really necessarily think that Tombs of the Blind Dead just you know like stole all of its visual tropes from Werewolf Shadow, you know, but I, yeah. I suspect that some people would make that claim and. Well, now, here's, uh, once again, here's, in Nashi's own words, basically some, some statements of his about the film. Mm-hmm. He says, about the film, what can be said? Be it good, bad, or average, it is La Noche de Walpurgis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film had the characteristic ups and downs of Leon Klamovsky, but I believe that the positive element stood out above the errors or flaws it might have had. One of those positive elements is the way in which it treated the world of the vampires. I think the movement of the vampires in slow motion is quite successful. Neither can we forget the great interpretation of Patty Shepard mm-hmm. as yeah. Wandessa, who in the beginning didn't want to do the film and who has come to be regarded in the history of fantastic cinema as the Countess. Mm-hmm. And uh, she really is fantastic. She is. Uh, Patty Shepard has a, has a history. She's actually uh, an American-born actress and was in a lot of Spanish films. When she was 18, she apparently moved to Spain okay. and uh, got her start in films... In the uh, the mid to late '60s, she was in Jess Franco's uh, *Lucky the Inscrutable*, uh, and a, a a good number of the Cups of San Sebastian, mm-hmm. uh, se- several several different little westerns, *The Glass Ceilings*. Uh, she was in with Nashi. She was also in *Assignment Terror* in the '70s, and then this film with him as well. But uh, one of the neat things is she's uh, well. We should also mention Hannah, Queen of the Vampires, also known under the title. Crypt of the Living Dead, right, which right. is one of those films, one of those Spanish-produced films that got that, that's honestly gotten thrust, tossed out onto so many public domain DVDs that one way or the other you've probably seen some version mm-hmm, of it. Mm-hmm. One of the neat things is is she worked very steadily all throughout the uh, the 70s up to about 77, and then kind of just does some spotty work from there on out. But her last three or four films are Spanish films again, mm-hmm. and. Uh, her last film being in 1988, Edge of the Axe, which is a Jose Larraz film. Okay. And right before that, the same year, Slugs, mm-hmm. a Juan Simon Picard film, 
Uh, yes, the man who did pieces. Yes, yes. If you haven't seen Slugs, do yourself a favor. Mm. Well, get a few beers first. Yeah, but same, same can be said for pieces. <laughs> same. Oh yeah, the same is always said for pieces. And then also uh, Rest in Pieces uh, she did, which which is another Raz film. Wow. So she went, you know, she did a few movies in the 80s, and they were horror films in Spain again. She really is. He's he, Nashi's correct. She's very good in the film. Well, I know in she his autobiography could, he mentions how she, she could, had she really, really seriously pursued the, a career as far as a horror acting, that she, she could have been like the European Barbara Steele, he's basically saying, or could have been another yeah. Spanish Barbara Steele or a, you know... Uh, that sort of that you know, an actress of that renown, you know, because mm-hmm. because she had those kind of that kind of presence and those kind of features. That, She's a beautiful and obviously talented woman, and the one might say that a role like this didn't necessarily require a, a really strong actress, but it had a really strong actress yeah. in her. She's yeah. very good, and it's and and it's 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 amazing to watch her in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, she, she communicates could. the the pleasure of mm-hmm. of the the, the vampire the threat of the vampire mm-hmm. and through the help of the slow motion photography of course is nicely creepy throughout yeah very very nice very stuff. Much so. so talking about this film mm-hmm. overall as i've said it dropped a notch going back mm-hmm. through it mm-hmm. and carefully watching it wanting to really uh dig into it uh i put this i still put this pretty high though. i do too and it's an essential film i think it's a, one of those that we I talk agree. about that if we don't consider it one of his best and, and I didn't get the impression that he does either uh, from what he wrote. Not only what he mentioned there, not only there, but also what he writes in his autobiography. I get the impression that, that he, he doesn't, he, he would not consider it one of his great, great films, you know. But mm-hmm. I think that, I think certainly because of its importance to Spanish horror and uh, to his, to what people, the fame that he has, and I think it's certainly one that, that you, you know, has definitely got to be seen. And I agree. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a fantastic film. I will say this. Uh, I think that uh, for the most part, the English dub is a pretty good way it's to pre- see the movie. It is. I think so, too. And I think that this is a film, this is another film, too, that uh, that you could certainly use to introduce somebody to uh, European horror, if somebody who, because of, because you can point to this film and you can show them, look, this has elements that some, this has some of the things that mm-hmm. some people just find off-putting about European horror that, you know, that, that don't gravitate to it. It also has... The, the very things that draw us in uh, yeah. that we see and we're like, wow, this is not universal. This is not Hammer films. This is something totally unique, you know, something else that I, these are, and you cannot say that these films are derivative of those films. You, you can show a film like this and say, this is why they're different. You know, this is why mm-hmm. that, that they, they're worthy of, of they're worthy of attention. Own, yeah. And this, you're right. This would be a good example to show to someone. Um, I might use this film. Uh, we've talked about what film would you use just hypothetically yeah. to introduce someone to Nashi's films. I might use this one. I don't know. Depending on the person and my right. knowledge of their tastes, exactly. I might use this one. I've always talked about, I think, the perfect is probably the perfect film is probably still Horror Rises. I think so. But this would be a good choice. If the person you're showing it to is a person who's really open to supernatural horror or, or mythical creatures and, and that sort of thing and the... the horror icons like werewolves and dra- vampires and that sort of thing whereas horror rising from the tomb might be something that i think we've talked about to show somebody who likes horror films but you know there's a like we've talked about before that kind of horror film yeah. fan that doesn't gravitate yeah. to the real hardcore supernatural thing but 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 just you know uh, likes still horror elements horrific elements true, you true. know we've uh, i've been pl- i've been toying with the idea just as an aside as we mm-hmm. as we go through these films and we uh, we finally now gotten back to a daninsky film mm-hmm. There's going to eventually be uh, the desire with me, after we've gone through a number of them, to start kind of rating 
the Daninsky mm-hmm. films on a scale. Mm-hmm. In other words, take the Daninsky films as kind of their own thing. Yeah, yeah, true. And start talking about what what do you think the best, what do you think the worst, and then where would you where would the rest of them fall along that continuum? This one's near the higher end, in my estimation. Yeah, I would put it um, there. I would put there too. I would put it in the upper, you know, above average of the Daninsky films. I agree, and um, the thing is, I mean, as much as as much as I uh, love like Night of the Howling Beast, I think it's it might it's right about the same level, but I would have I would be hard pressed to know which one just to say yeah. which one's a little better than the other. I agree, I agree. I, I, I don't remember it, Night of the Howling Beast having nearly as many what the hell moments. Right, I think it kind of was a little more. I think it held together more so- yeah. solidly than yeah. the story here. You know, uh, this one just has probably more just. Amazing visual moments than than that film had, but that film had a wonderful pulp. You know, not Helen Bass had his own, own sort of wonderful pulp character yes. to it. We talked about how it's almost more like a serial or something, the old you know Republic serial kind of sure. feel to it. A very different film. I think I like I think I like Doctor Jekyll and the Werewolf better than both of them. To be honest, you know. But oh, I, I do too. Both. I, I think too. I rated yes. high. I probably rated the highest of the. I guess we've done uh, well, four Daninsky films, right? Yeah, so we've done four, and I think I rated the highest of the of the. I the think I would agree with you. Right now, looking at the ones we we've. we've We've gone through in detail. Right, right, just the ones we've talked about here. That's the one I would put the highest right now. Strange. I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought have that when that. we started. No, yeah, I wouldn't I would. have predicted that. But that's when part we of the fun of doing this. this is we're kind of surprising ourselves as, as we go along. Now, I will be curious when we start, the, the next time we do a Daninsky film, which will probably be a couple of podcasts from now, mm-hmm. uh, I'll be curious to start asking the listeners uh, what their thoughts are yeah. on the Daninsky series. Um when you've seen a number of them, where do yeah. you start putting them? Right. Where do you, where do you, what, what's your favorite? What do you think the best... Where do you, where would you put them on a list? Yeah, and by the way, uh, to your listeners, no matter how much space this episode takes up on your computer, don't get rid of it because at some point we are going to be doing Night of the Werewolf, uh, which many people, which is basically a remake of this film, but uh, very much its own film. But it's going to be really fascinating when we do get around to doing that to compare it to this film at certain points and things that it does with some of the same characters and ideas and how different. It is, uh, well, especially it, considering it's a full decade later. It's a full decade later, and it yeah. was, uh, and, and it was a film that he made possibly because of his disappointment with Werewolf Shadow that he oh, decided I, to remake I, I because so, he directed yeah. because it is one he directed himself. So that's going to be a lot of fun when we do eventually get around to that one. Uh, but I can I can tell you right now from my most recent viewing of that film that it has problems of its own. Well, sure, it's it's a uh, but yeah. but but some very nice things in it too. Oh, it's a, oh, it's a hell of a film. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but let's just say let's just say that. Uh, Mr. Nashy has some directorial blind sights himself. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that that is true. That is true. Um, I, I do want to throw out one quick little anecdote here before we uh, wrap things up. That uh, I did have to say that uh, this past summer I went to the Monster Bash uh, convention in, in Pittsburgh and uh, picked up a copy of, of, there was actually a novelization done Oh, yeah. of Werewolf Shadow. Um, actually, my brother got it for me because I'd kinda, I looked at it, it was a little bit pricey. I wanted it, and I was kind of him and hawing over it. So when my back was turned, <laughs> he went and... My, my wonderful older brother went and bought it for me, so thank you. Oh, that's great. <laughs> he yeah, listens it, to this show, so I'll say right now, thank you for picking that up. But obviously, I, you know, uh, I'm fascinated by the whole novelization industry anyway, especially the early 70s, and I'm continually amazed at, at films I'll discover that had novelizations done. Oh, for me them. too. But Werewolf vs. the Vampire Women actually was novelized and had a novelization that came out here. Uh, the guy who sold it to me said that he has a copy signed by Paul Nashie. Uh, when, he, when he got Paul Nashie to sign it, uh, Nashie had no idea of it, of its existence, which is not surprising. I, oh, no. I probably would have been more surprised had he been aware of it. Yeah, this, uh, was, this was done in the States, and the title on the, and the title 
mm-hmm. is the American title of the film, right. isn't it? Right. Yeah. You've shown me the book. Yeah. I, you know, you, you've not let me touch it. It's still in a plastic <laughs> bag. You, I didn't even let you, you look let, at it that long. Yeah. You know? you, you, it's like like my gaze was somehow going to devalue the freaking thing. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, it's it's and, and the pictures on all of, you know on the outside of the book are all from the film, and the book itself was in immaculate shape, and it, it looked like it had never been opened for. But I have not read it. But just to give, I did a quick cursory glance. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, the guy that wrote it did not see a single bit of advanced materials for the film. <laughs> <laughs> it's the werewolf is his name Waldo by the way. Uh, oh Waldo, wow. Waldo. Really? And uh oh, but I've but, I can, but I can tell wow. that the guy had the not the slightest idea of he was given a title um Given a title and some kind of idea yeah. about okay, werewolves versus vampire yeah. women, go to town. But that's just another thing that makes oh, the man. gives the early 70s such a, a great charm. Um, well, I I'm I'm fascinated by the 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 novelization industry myself mm-hmm. as a matter of fact there's a book coming out a big a big book and apparently there's another one in process about nov- film novels oh really yeah. oh, that's great because we i had just been talking to you not too long about how i think it'd be great if somebody really undertook a research to to list as much as possible uh, uh what what was novelized because that's well, it's just always a, fascinating there's me. apparently going to be more to it than that uh interviews with uh, a lot of the writers who, oh, who, who've done them for a living and things like that i know several years ago i contacted uh, alan dean foster Mm-hmm. Uh, right, and asked him few, about yeah. uh, well, I asked him about uh, Luana, mm-hmm. uh, which turned out to be the very first film novelization he ever did, which was for an Italian film that he saw, but there was no English soundtrack at the time, so he was just <laughs> making crap up. <laughs> and uh, what was wild is his novelization was a better story than the film had by far, completely different. But mm-hmm. there's a the, the whole film novelization that we honestly we could do an entire podcast on bizarre film novelizations just. And have fun with it. Oh yeah, I mean it's. I mean every time I go, like I said, when I went to the Monster Bash, I was looking at the shelves and I was seeing. In fact, I picked up one of Brides of Dracula. I didn't realize that there had been apparently a series of of Hammer novelizations I was not aware of. Yeah, and then there's the weird photo novel stuff, which isn't the photo novel, right? But that's yeah, yeah. But in the days before video, uh, the photo novel, I definitely had some myself. Oh yeah, those were pretty cool. In the days before video, those were the only way to relive a film. I mean, or to even see some of them because it was just so hard to see, unless it popped up on late night television. Well, I think uh, we're about done with talking about Werewolf Shadow. Now, I wanted something we did not bring up during the course of this, which is very interesting and definitely plays a lot into what we're going to be doing for our next episode. The assistant director on this film we just did, Werewolf Shadow, was none other than Carlos Arred. And his name yes, will be indeed. coming up a lot in episode 11. Uh, Rod, tell us what we got coming uh, up. Oh, yes. Episode 11. People were going to focus on uh, the second mm-hmm. Nashy film I ever saw, which mm-hmm. is House of Psychotic Women. That's the title I saw it under. A place where every man has lived at some point in his life. <laughs> true, true. The film is better known nowadays under its uh, its its smarter title, I guess you would say, right. "Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll," and that's how you can find it uh, on DVD pretty easily these days, at least on the secondary market. See, you European people just got to realize that we just don't get your titles here in America. You know, you throw us <laughs> something, eyes. "Blue Eyes of Broken Doll." Watch what? that. Uh, but now you throw House of Psychotic Women, and we can, you know, we can, we're there. We can hey, all gravitate to that. That's the kind of thing that's going to draw me in every time. And I'm excited about doing this episode. Episode 11 is going to be fun. Remember, if you want to get a hold of us, drop us a line, nashicast at gmail.com. Let us have your thoughts. Tell us what you think. And hey, give us any ideas you've got. If you already know what you think the best Daninsky film is, let us know about that. If you've got any suggestions on what you want to see us do after the for the 12th episode. Mm-hmm. Wow, 12 episodes. That'll be a full We're year. We're almost a year. We've almost wow. had this a year. Uh, that's kind of frightening, <laughs> actually. But remember, 
drop us an email. Let us know what you think. If you've got any, uh, if you've got any ideas you want to impart to us, mm-hmm. just let us know. So, join us here again in, an- in another month for NashyCast number 11. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. Saying, go and have some fun, folks. Don't rip out any throats, though. <laughs>